It's a new day. Yes, it is. I am Vaughn Johnson. You got me mad now. You know, you got a back tickle. Feeling good. Well, all the st- skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We ride the back tickle in the arena. With my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick McCone. That's me. I don't know where the kid is that was riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Tomorrow, I'll you can kick your face off. I'm down with that. But I don't like it when things are going my way. Don't you dare be sour! He don't know nothing else. <laughs> hey, you know that wrestling, right, know that wrestling bro. <laughs> give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What's up ladies and gentlemen out there in internet land and welcome to episode 254 of the Three Shooters available wherever podcasts are found. My name is Vaughn Johnson, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacona, Philly voice and Philly influencer, and we got yet another fantastic show ahead of us tonight, where we're doing yet another deep dive, and if you saw on Twitter, we hinted a little bit toward it, but we're talking Halloween Havoc, baby, 1997, probably the best Halloween Havoc from top to bottom of all time, there have been some, you know, big moments in Halloween Havoc history, uh, at other various shows, including the next year, uh, which we may talk about later this month in October, I should say, not this month in September. This month is over, uh, <laughs> as we record this September 30th. But we're already in a, in a Halloween spirit here. That's why we're talking about Halloween Havoc. But uh, we're going to talk about Halloween Havoc in 1997. A lot of big moments coming out of this show. But before we dig deep into that, I got to do my check-in, my weekly check-in with my main man, Pots and Pans, Nick. How are you doing tonight on this fine September evening, my good brother? Uh, I can't believe it. I have two playoff baseball games on uh, to my left, and the Phillies are not in, in any of them. Uh, completely choked down the stretch in this weird, weird baseball season. But, uh, you know, any legitimately average baseball team could have uh, made the playoffs this year uh, as the expanded playoffs and the Phillies didn't make it. And there are rumors that the general manager will be coming back. So I'm not doing too well this week uh, as the Phillies are my, uh, I guess if I would have to rank my sports teams in order, the Phillies would be one a, uh, you know, I guess the Eagles will be one B, uh, but the Phillies are right up there and uh, it's a shame. I'm, I'm, I'm not depressed, but I'm a little upset. You're a baseball man through and through. That's true. So I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. But uh, wasn't there like eight playoff games on yesterday or something like that? Yeah, and there were quite a few on today. So That's uh, crazy. Yeah. yeah. And today was that good because t- today's a virtual learning day at work, so I got to stay home and you know go, <laughs> go on the computer. And you know they didn't realize I had my two TVs on <laughs> that were – uh, tuned in to the baseball games, but it didn't interfere with any learning. So uh, if you're listening out there, I am great at what I do. <laughs> I'm about to say, did you actually do any work or did you just? Yeah, we, we do uh, watch baseball. a few English, you know, classes. So uh, we're go- going over, you know, the parts of speech. So just got to hammer that home. And uh, once we get into writing, you know, here and there in a few weeks, uh, we'll be good to go. And uh yeah, that I have it on mute. You know, the TV. I, I mean, I have four screens going on right now, but my mind is on this podcast. So, uh, you know, I have NXT and AEW on, and then the two baseball games. But 
you know, I, I'm I'm a pro's pro, as you could tell. So this uh, definitely will be uh, will not interfere with anything uh, that I bring to the table. Are you sure? It sounds like it will. <laughs> I was just I'm trying to. Room. I just like hearing myself talk, so I was just trying to talk more and more and more and more. You are in like the control room of like a stadium right now with <laughs> yeah. all these different screens. If I could Meanwhile, take, I'm in a room. If I could take a picture, with no you know? media, no nothing. I'm just here. Yeah. Uh, there's no TVs, none of that. So. Yeah. yeah I just. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I'm locked in. <laughs> You are. I don't and, know about and, you. And you're great. You're great at, at being the host here with and and uh, controlling the narrative as we get into Halloween Havoc 97. I'm sure you'll do a phenomenal job. And, uh, you know, I'll be watching baseball. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> There's a rain delay uh, anyway happening right now. So one less baseball <laughs> game to worry about. Speaking of Halloween Havoc, though, you were uh, listening into a uh, – because you watched a bump on a regular basis. Yes. And you were listening to an interview they had with Triple H, and he hinted at some nostalgia, more nostalgia coming in XT's way. And you have a pretty obvious theory coming out of that. <laughs> yeah, I would think, you know, NXT TakeOver is coming up this Sunday. And, you know, it seems like, you know, when we started this podcast, we would do all these previews, but then they would become pretty obsolete in like a day or two. So we don't do uh, as many like pay per view previews here. Now, I'm fine with that. Um, but. NXT TakeOver 31 is this Sunday, and he's, he hinted that there would be an announcement uh, this Sunday. I, I don't think it was it was necessarily for the TakeOver coming. I think it was just going to be announced to TakeOver, so I really hope they don't do anything Halloween Havoc worthy at this TakeOver. But, you know, and it, it'll be October 3rd or, or October 4th, I should say. You would think that, that he's hinting towards a Halloween Havoc uh, named event, or uh, maybe if it's an NXT special on Wednesday night, probably not a takeover since you know we're having a takeover <laughs> October fourth. But yeah, man, they they got to bring that back. Well, why else would he hint towards that? And I'm sure, <laughs> I mean, I've done it. There's a plenty of tweets out there on social media. It's plenty of Instagrams. I'm I'm sure that say bring back Halloween Havoc. If they're gonna bring back in your house, if they're gonna bring back the Great American Bash, why the heck? wouldn't you bring back Halloween Havoc? And it's crazy that they haven't done it to begin with. And it's 2020 and we haven't seen this in 20 years, but you know, they have the rights to it. And if they're going on this kick of nostalgia, why would you not, you know, use it? You use Starcade already. I firmly believe Halloween Havoc's coming back in NXT. And uh, I think we'll get that announcement Sunday night. I hope so because I will been be pissed about off if, if we don't. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Don't no, get it out. Get it uh, off your chest. I'm just saying, if he, I mean, it's obvious, right? So what else? They're not going to bring back World War Three, <laughs> you know? Oh my none, none God. of these stupid uh, pay-per-view names. Halloween Havoc has been, uh, you know, even when they weren't bringing uh, these nostalgia acts back. But they were, you know, they had a Great American Bash pay-per-view for SmackDown in, like, 2004. People were like, yo, bring back Halloween Havoc. You had two October pay-per-views, and you used Hell in a Cell for one of them. Like, you could have just named that Halloween Havoc. But, you know, it just makes sense. And if it's not Halloween Havoc, I'm going to be super pissed. Watch they bring back, like, old NXT acts like Leo <laughs> Kruger or <laughs> somebody like that. Like, 
Percy Watson or something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Nostalgia. But no. Um, yeah, yeah. We like you we've been talking about it for years on this podcast. And I yeah. feel like like you said, we're not alone. There are a lot of people out there who want Halloween Havoc to be brought back. I feel like I've been I've talked about it with you, I've talked about it with Tommy Rowan, I've talked about it with the good brother Sawyer, I've talked about it with a whole bunch of people in the past. Like, yo, Halloween Havoc should be a thing. Because like you said, WWE brought back Great American Bash. No one asked for that. Uh <laughs> True. They brought back they brought back Starcade and just butchered it. Like it's not even a pay per view. It's not even a televised event. It's a WWE Network special at a at a live event. They call Starcade in Charlotte for one hour. Like right, it's not like, even the come whole on. event. You just you know throwing dirt on the name of, of Starcade, but do right by Halloween Havoc. And yeah, it may not be a takeover like in your house was, uh, which was cool, you know. But Halloween Havoc, I think, should be a pay per view. On the main roster every single year in WWE. Yeah. Get yeah, rid of absolutely. Hell in a Cell. At least a name, at least. Make it Halloween Havoc. Get rid of Survivor Series. I'm, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've yeah, definitely that, been on that uh, for years. <laughs> replace that with Star... Like, again, of all the pay-per-views they've used from WCW, and they haven't used any from ECW, by the way. They didn't use Guilty as Charged, nothing like that. Heat wave. Well, December Dis- dismember was kind of like a super show, uh, not a pay per view, but uh, that's like the one I think they they actually tried out, and they and it was trash. Yeah, but absolutely the, the only December dismember ever that people right. remember. If of all the pay per view names that they've used, well, not really of all of them, but the, all the ones that they had to choose from from WCW, they used Great American Bash. Maybe I, I, I guess because Vince is very patriotic. Well, and that, <laughs> guess, that was one of WCW's hallmarks too in the beginning. This was probably right along with Starcade. This was uh, before. No, and that's a hundred percent fair. The Great American Bash tours of the eighties were yeah. big time, and they but I'm saying like stadiums. they shouldn't have brought that back because it was like a WCW staple. So why not bring back another one? And I kind of feel like I'm glad like that name means something to me. But for me, it's all WCW. Like WWE had a plenty of Great American Batches, and I don't remember a single one of them. No, <laughs> didn't Paul Bear get like buried in cement at Great American Bash? <laughs> well, I, I do remember that. I, I, what was it? Uh, did JBL win the title of Gr- a Great American Bash? But something like that. Um, and the Dudley Boys put him in cement. Something like yeah, that. I forget. But yeah, there were moments. Either way, but, uh, that's a way to celebrate America. Bury somebody in a c- cement tomb. Well, I'm sure that's how um, many of us felt after last night's debates, but that'll be all. The look, problem. look, we we got we only got so much time to talk about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stuff on here. Yeah, we don't want to. We don't want to go into that circus. We no. we, we deal with wrestling yeah. as it is. We ain't got we ain't got time for much else. That's true. Um, but back to my point. The point <laughs> is, Halloween Havoc is probably the dopest name WCW had as a for pay per view. And they just, for whatever reason, like you said, for 20 years, never used it in any capacity. Why not? You know, bring back in your house. And they still brought back Great American Bash again. Like, no one asked for this even in 2020. (laughs) And they just brought out some cars and made them red, white, and blue. It was like, Great American Bash. They couldn't have, like, grills or something. Like, come on. Cars? Like, they love cars, man. Like, it's in every set ever. It was like on Over the Edge. It's like, why are there cars in Over the Edge? Like, The, the, the cars hell? can get driven over the edge, man, of the cliff. Yeah, but that's the only thing that are... Whatever. I hate it. <laughs> but look, bring back some pumpkins, and let's do Halloween Havoc. Let's do it. I'm ready. 
I oh, am yeah. ready. All right, bring back the the classic logo, the dope logo, with the like the V, the yeah. orange logo, whatever. Yep. Bring it back. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm ready. I am ready. So do it, NXT. Do it. Do it. I don't even care we'll who's it. wrestling. I only care about the sign, <laughs> right. the signage. That's all I care right. about. Pretty well. That's what people cared about for in your house. It was like yeah. matches. I just want to see the house set. <laughs> exactly. That's all I want to see. Mm-hmm. So, but speaking of Halloween havoc, our latest deep dive was about Halloween Havoc 1997. Way back in October 26, 1997 to be exact. We just covered Clash of the Champions 35. What was that last week? Yeah. Which was in August 1997. Mm -hmm. We saw some of these stories kind of playing out there that we see another chapter of here at Halloween Havoc. I'm watching a lot of WCW lately, (laughs) by the way. Yeah, and, big uh, run for me of WCW. I'm sure but, you're not disappointed because it was pretty awesome. And I was just going to say, in 1997, wrestling in the, in the United States was damn good. And you said it. This is like your favorite year in wrestling. Yeah. This is probably my second favorite year in wrestling behind 2000. Not because anything WCW did. <laughs> I just thought WWF was that good in 2000. Yeah. But 1997, all three of the major promotions in the United States, WWF, WCW, ECW, were rolling. The thing was, though, WCW, their undercard was great. And they were telling some good stories in the main event, but the matches, like just the matches themselves, weren't. WWF was pretty much the opposite. It was like the undercard was, you can forget that. But the main event stuff was great. M- match-wise, storytelling-wise, fantastic stuff. For the WCW standpoint, this show represents what I was just what I just said. <laughs> Undercard is fantastic, main events not so much. So, I don't know if you had any thoughts before we kind of dig into this here, Nick. Of maybe just some context, of, you know, what 1997 Halloween Havoc. How old were you, by the way? Yeah, I had time? actually just turned twelve. Uh, my birthday is early October, so. Uh, this was one of the first few pay-per-views I ordered of WCW. I think it was at a time where uh, my mom was able to uh, kind of help with my wrestling fix. And uh, with WCW, I, I get I don't I don't really beg. Like I would ask, and I would kind of understand the answer when it's no, but I would ask anyway just in case. And there was like a few months there where. I was able to order both a WCW pay-per-view and a WWF pay-per-view. Never missed one WWF pay-per-view, but I remember wanting to order Fall Brawl really, really bad uh, that year in in 97, and I didn't get to. So, you know, with the Kurt Henning turn and everything, I just felt like something big was going to happen, and then it did, and I was kind of mad that I didn't get to see it. But, I, you know, I got Road Wild 97. I got Halloween Havoc 97, World War III. And Starcade, obviously, and that was what my Christmas money. <laughs> I'm about to say, did you skip Scar- Starcade? What? No, no. <laughs> so, and, and then you know, in '98, I kind of stopped, but then picked back up in the Great American Bash. Funny enough, uh, I started, uh, you know, I ordered that Bash at the Beach, and then another Road Wild in '98. So I kind of like here and there, uh, I missed a few pay per views, and Halloween Havoc to me, you know, we, we 
we've heard Eric Bischoff say that he believed this was WCW's biggest event uh, and a, not Starcade. Um, for me, Halloween Havoc just it felt like a big like a big event to me. I knew Starcade was their number one, so I was like, if I miss Halloween Havoc, I'm gonna like regret it. You know, Piper and Hogan in a cage sounds cool. I didn't know exactly that the cage was gonna look like that, and we'll get into it, but. You know, the visual in my mind was like, you know, I got to see this. You know, there's a lot of great matches on the card. Ric Flair's getting his revenge on Kurt Henning. Like, I have to see this. So I I don't know if I exactly begged my mom to order this, but, um, you know, she did. And I, I taped it. And it was, you know, one of the few pay-per-views that year that I watched. At, uh, WCW, I should say. And I, you know, I rem- it's one that I watched over and over again. But at the same time, I... WWF was picking up steam at the time, and this was a month before the Survivor Series, so when Bret Hart left, I actually thought that WCW was kind of going down from what I had been used to watching in 97, Uh, but looking back at going over this pay-per-view, it wasn't necessarily a bad pay-per-view, so, you know, in in my mind, in my 12-year-old mind, I was just kind of like, man, this sucked, and I guess I was comparing it to Bad Blood earlier in the month with the hell in a cell. And I was like, well, they can't top hell in a cell. And I didn't, you know, they didn't. And I think that was part of my mindset as a 12 year old that, you know, this sucked at, at the time, but uh, looking back, I don't think it sucked, but you know, that's well, kind of where I was. Looking at those two shows in particular, it goes back to my theory or not only my theory, just my thoughts or opinion about the main event of bad blood was one of the biggest moments in wrestling history yeah. <laughs> like, when you think about it yeah really uh the debut of kane and that and that match itself with the hell in the cell that was a spectacle in itself yes and the match was brilliant um but the rest of the show who knows who remembers anything else from the rest of that show well i, <laughs> I, I you know i do <laughs> that's not i do that, not that's not to say it's a it was a great show but you had like the flag match with uh bret hart oh, and the bulldog with I think it was what Patriot Vader or something like that, and then yeah. uh, uh, the Headbangers lost to the Godwins for the tag titles. Come you know, on, just, but they were bad matches, you know. They weren't good <laughs> matches. I just <laughs> that's what I remember. And the Godwins. But what I I do remember also is before the event. I think it was on the free for all where they announced Brian Pillman uh, had passed away, and oh, yeah. that's when I first heard of it. Um, obviously, I think that's the first time they publicly said it you know, on their show. And I didn't have the internet back then, you know, I didn't know anything. So at first I thought it was like, oh, they're kidding. But then, you know, they were, they went on with the show and they said like he passed away. It's like, um, so that, that was that. But, you know, what I remember the most about that is, you know, them announcing Brian Pillman's death and Hell in a Cell. And the other stuff I remember uh, was very, very bad. <laughs> right. But, the, but people walked away from that show thinking, remembering mostly the Hell in the Cell. Yes. The main event. Yes, absolutely. This show, on the other hand, the main event, eh. But you had Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio. You had Yuji uh, Nagata versus Ultimo Dragon. Gato versus Jericho. You know, even uh, Scott Hall and Lex Luger was, was yeah, good. You know, DDP, yeah. Macho Man. Everything up to the main event was great, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, there was some bangers in there, so yep. we're going to dig in all the way into it. But let's take a look at where the event took place, which was at the MGM Grand Arena, the Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. This is a historic fight venue, combat sports venue, 
you know, one of the probably the, the most historic combat sports venue in the world. Uh, it's just from a boxing, MMA. Uh, well, I guess you could put mm-hmm. wrestling in there, but it's really boxing. Yeah. Uh, it's had De La Hoya versus Floyd Mayweather, De La Hoya versus Pacquiao, Floyd versus Canelo, Floyd versus Manny Pacquiao. Just had Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder. From a wrestling standpoint, it had double or nothing in 2019. But I think the most infamous fight this venue has had was not Hulk Hogan versus the Warrior in 1998. No. <laughs> uh, it was Tyson Holyfield, too which took place pretty much two months prior, like t- almost yeah. to the day yeah. of Halloween Havoc. And, of course, Tyson Holyfield 2 is super memorable because Tyson bit Evander Holyfield's ear off, <laughs> and that was wild. Like, think about how wild that would be today in social media times. <laughs> yeah. Holy hell. It'd be, it'd be, it would be wild today. Imagine what people were thinking back in 1997. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Like, when people hadn't seen it all yet, like we just talked about last week when uh, Raven had a tongue ring and Tony Schiavone was like, what would drive a man to do that? (laughs) What would drive a man to bite someone's ear off in 1997? I don't know. You can ask Mike Tyson that question. I do not want to ask him that question because he (laughs) scares the hell out of me. Shout out to Mike Tyson though. But uh, so yeah, this is a historic fight venue. The WCW got for Halloween Havoc. Guess going to Eric Bischoff's point, he saw Halloween Havoc as like a real big event. Let's give it a big fight venue. And it doesn't get much bigger than the Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas. I mean, you can go to the Garden. Uh, that's a big venue, but they wasn't getting to the Garden. That's, you know, big man territory. Uh, you can probably go somewhere in L.A. or wherever, but Vegas is where big fights happen. Grand Garden Arena is where the, they take place. It doesn't get much bigger than that. In the United States, at least. No, no, and I I remember the venue mainly for boxing and and MMA. So when I, I and I remembered, you know, WCW kind of did their annual thing. So Halloween Havoc was from the MGM Grand, like what three or four years in a row. They did the same yeah, thing with like Starcade and Baltimore and DC. Yeah, or yeah, DC. Baltimore was probably uh, Great American Bash. I think they they did in Baltimore a few years in a row. So. You know, that was their thing, and they were kind of, I guess, they the thinking behind it was they're guaranteed, you know, a certain gate uh, that they don't have to worry about if they go somewhere else uh, that year. But really, it's all about the buildup. And at Halloween Havoc 97, it was the buildup of a, of a lot of long-term type stories, too. It wasn't just like the short-term, month-to-month type thing. It was a long-term, you know, Savage GDP was almost all year long. Luger, Scott Hall, you know, they were back and forth, WCW versus NWO. Hogan Piper was from a year prior when Piper debuted in 96 at Halloween Havoc. So, you know, it was, you know, th- that was what made WCW kind of special to me, even as a 12-year-old. I'm like, you know, even though <laughs> I fell into that after the fact, you know, when I started getting the internet and everyone started making fun of, you know, WCW and their downfall, it was, you know, age in the cage type stuff with, uh, you know, I, WWF even said it on TV before the pay-per-view. I think Jim Ross mentioned, like, Hogan and Piper in a cage, age in a cage, some, something like that. So, <laughs> you know, it, you know, I, I remember hearing that. But to me, 12 years old, not really understanding what goes on behind the scenes, I didn't really care. I was like, damn, it's Hogan and Piper in a cage. Like, that's must-see. And, you know, I wish I didn't see it. <laughs> 
Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about it. Yeah. We're, going, we're going to have a conversation so, about so it. So I was, the, I was definitely all in at this point in WCW. Like, I was actually watching WCW more than WWF at this at this point. You had good reason to. WCW, like you said, had a lot of cool stuff going for it. Yep. You, you, the, the match with Piper and Hogan wasn't that good, but the story was kind of dope. Like, it was... Yeah. It was just a lot going on, and all that was happening with Sting in the background. It was yeah. just a lot going on, and it was pretty good. So, uh, on the call for this show, of course, Tony Schiavone, Dusty Rhodes, and Bobby Heenan. Uh, while they were doing the introductions, Schiavone called Hogan and Piper the biggest cage match in history, uh, which he's, he was wont to do back in the day. The biggest night in the history of our sport. And that was the biggest cage match in the history of the sport, even though Hell in a Cell just happened like right before this yeah, <laughs> I think it was like see I remember the date October 5th that was the date there you go and that was a big pretty big cage match and yeah. I like to think that there was some bigger cage matches at some point than Piper and Hogan passed their primes in 1997 but yeah. uh, one thing I noticed right off the top though was the Halloween Havoc logo I was like wait a sec I don't remember this logo at all <laughs> and they used it for 96 and 97 Yep. And I didn't like it at all. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's I was funny. glad they went back to it in 1998, at least according to the posters. Yes, it, it goes did. back to the old classic Halloween Havoc logo. But this one was just with the the, the, the guy's head, the skull, whatever. I don't. <laughs> I didn't like it. Yeah, holding the Slim Jim sign. Uh, yeah, it was different. I think I didn't even notice it, and I think until the 98 uh, pay per view Halloween Havoc when they. They have that logo on the mat, and you know I'm a mark for that type of stuff. I love. I'm with you. I'm I love you. that WCW did that. It really did set them apart from the WWF. WWF kind of had things that looked familiar. Even in 1998, WWF had sets with that, you know, circle uh, for like Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, yep. King of the Ring. So WWF really didn't get into sets until like late 98 into 99. WCW was doing these sets, you know, for ever i can remember you know they had wwf probably learned for wcw it's like yeah. we need something unique for every show instead of giving them like you said that circle or like they had yeah. like the square with the sign on it that just yeah. it's just a different sign but yeah. the same like square type of thing yeah but it says SummerSlam on it so <laughs> that's what that's different yeah. it makes it different right. it's a different it's feel different. and that's, like you said that's they exactly the what they do now by the way with the led it's like oh it's a different that's logo true. it feels different but at least the leds can have different colors or something like that yeah but like, yeah it's true but then they had the circle that I think they debuted at WrestleMania 14, and they just kept using like <laughs> yeah. throughout the year. It's just weird. But um, yeah, but yeah definitely. I, I agree with you about the the mat, the, the logo mm-hmm. on the mat. I always like that too. And I was I loved the Slim Jim on the ring posts, the like pads. It gave the event a unique feel. A- apart from the set, apart from the logo on the mat. It, no other event had the Slim Jim uh, pads on on the ring post, and I, I thought that was awesome. I loved it. So, you know, Halloween Havoc with not only the set and not only the, the, the logo, the next year, you know, 98, they had that logo. They brought back that classic logo, and that definitely was, a, I think, the best logo they, they've had uh, maybe in history, like better than any other logo, I think. But, uh, yeah, this logo in 96 and 97, I didn't hate it. Um, yeah, but I didn't even notice the difference, honestly, until years later. You know that that's as much as I paid attention to detail. There were some things that I just like didn't pay attention to, and that was one of them. I didn't realize it was a different logo until you know years later. 
I did right away, <laughs> and I didn't like it. But uh, I knew you was gonna notice those Slim Jim ring posts. Oh, like I had yeah. it written down, but I knew you was gonna <laughs> talk about it. So, because you you just noticed stuff like that. But these were hard. These this would have been hard to miss. Like they're red yeah. and yellow, and they're like padded. Yeah. But like I, I didn't mind it. It's like sell the mat. Like the UFC does it. Boxing yeah. matches do it. Like yeah. they put advertisements on the mat. WWE just doesn't. And I I don't know particularly why. It's a money making opportunity. They just don't for whatever reason. Uh, I don't know if it makes it slippery. Or what? Right. But it, I don't know. Like, it I, it, to me, like you said, it brings a unique feel to each show when you have maybe the, the, the logo of the event there and you can have different advertisements around it. I don't mind it. Mm-hmm. And they did the ring posting here, which made, like you said, Slim Jim, for one, Slim Jim paid a lot of money for this for these ads, apparently, yeah. because they got, they got, like I said, the ring post, they got the ring, the mat, and Macho Man was out there with his Slim Jim outfit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So they was they was like, look, we paying y'all a pretty penny. Y'all going to look out for us. Yep. And WCW came through. Now I do think that I've rem- I uh, heard on something to wrestle with Bruce Prichard a while ago. I think Conrad actually Conrad Thompson actually did ask him why WWF never really uh, went the way of putting you know those advertisements on the mat, putting the logo on the mat. They did for WrestleMania 12, but you know it wasn't the same way WCW did it. They- they only yeah. did that so they could sell pieces of the right, ring the after canvas. the fact. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And I think Bruce said, you know, Vince McMahon looks at the ring as, you know, the stage, so he doesn't want anything to kind of take away from that. So that's why for so many years you had the same color ring, like the red, white, and blue ropes with the blue ring post, the blue apron, the blue mats around it. Like, you know, he didn't. there was a time where he only put the stuff on the ring apron for like the big pay-per-views. So like every TV, it was just like those that blue apron, uh, and then eventually they started using the ring apron f- for the logos. Uh, you know, I get that, but you know, it's like, hey, if you're a businessman and you you make excuses for why you're cutting people uh, for and and you're cu- cutting costs f- for pyro stuff like that, well then, what what's the big deal with selling advertising on the mat? You know, put your logo on the mat and then put the advertising on the mat next to it. Like there's it doesn't take away from anything. It, it didn't take anything away from when WCW did it for me as even a 12-year-old. So I don't know if an adult would really, if it would interfere with an adult watching, and they, it would you know, be too much, I guess, uh, for, for them to follow. But I always thought it, would, it made WCW unique, and I loved it. Even when they just had the WCW logo in the center, before they started doing the pay-per-view logos, they would just have the letters WCW with like a circle around it. Uh, I thought that was cool. It, it set them apart, and that's what I love the most about the presentation. And every combat sport pretty much does it anyway, because yeah. it's a way to make money. And I don't see, and I get, I get Vince's logic behind it. If it's just, if he feels it is sacred, then you don't sell that. Okay, I can understand that. But like you said, as a business person, like. Something like it's unprecedented, right. and if, like you said, sometimes if they cut back on certain things, like people's salaries and pyro, like you may be able to sell that ring and make up for those losses. Like yeah. you know, yeah. I don't know, but I know some people out there are really like hardcore about like advertisements on jerseys. Even like yeah. they don't want, especially in American sports, even though they do it in Europe for every soccer, for pretty much every sport, <laughs> uh, especially soccer. You see the the advertisement more than you see the actual team's logo. Some people don't like that. They don't like, like, even, like, 
uh, on the NBA jerseys, you yeah, see the, the Nike Hub, logo right? on it now. Yeah, something like that. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I remember when right. the Sixers oh, well, I, had like the StubHub and everyone kind of. Right. Like, but even the Nike logo, even the people who make the jerseys, they don't want that right. on there. Like, right. They don't want the new era logo on baseball hats. It's like they see the uniform as like a sacred place. You don't sell it. But like, look, man, these teams are going to look for ways to, to generate revenue. And if it's a little little square ad in the left corner of the jersey, so be it. Because it could be like Europe where it's like you see the Chevy logo <laughs> before you see the team logo. Like, it's just big. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just how it is over there. No one seems to care in Europe. Uh, and I don't see the uniforms as... I kind of tend to agree. I don't see the uniform as that sacred. You can at least have something on there. I mean, that's just me. But yeah, uh, I mean, I don't... I, I don't go one way or the other. I just... Yeah, for me, it's it is what it is. Just don't like cover up the logo, I guess, or cover up the name, number, and then you know it's fine. But moving on, that was a lot of talk about the ring. Actually, <laughs> I didn't expect to spend that much time on it. Um, first match of the night, we got Yuji Nagata versus Ultimo Dragon, and I wrote here. Well, I guess we're gonna have more ring talk because I'm about to bring it up again. <laughs> the sound of people hitting the mat. In a WCW ring, I don't know what it was or what it is. It just sounds awesome. It's loud. <laughs> it's loud, but it just sounds like it sounds different from a WWF ring. It just sounds yeah. like more impactful. Yeah, like things hurt. Like I just, I don't know. I just, it just maybe it's just nostalgia because I miss that I mean, sound. They do put the sound of a WCW ring can't be replicated. It's just, it's just, it's just like oh, this is wrestling. Like it just felt <laughs> like more wrestling. I don't know why. Yeah, and maybe they had a microphone under there for, for some events, but uh, I agree. I th- it, it was like either they're falling quicker or, you know, there's a microphone under there. And, you know, with WCW, like that action was like real action. It, it wasn't, you know, t- today I, I understand the kind of slowing down in wrestling matches because, you know, injuries and, you know, want to be as safe as possible. And back then it was, and I'm not, ever going to be like back in my day blah 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 like I'm not that person I'm just saying like back then it just looked it looked real and I think that's what I loved about it especially WCW it was like for me it was an actual competition and it wasn't really until WWF got into the Attitude Era where it seemed like you know (laughs) Stone Cold Steve Austin would go in the crowd and brawl with his opponents you know to me I was like okay that's real enough you know whatever like at least he wasn't in the ring doing like sunset flips and stuff like that but you know WCW I mean they were legit moves and they hurt you know they definitely looked like they hurt you was and sometimes the referee didn't even check because that was just how it was you know like we would see in the next match I'm I'm sure we'll we'll bring it up I don't know if uh, you know you'll bring it up but I definitely will it's like sometimes the referee just kind of looked at you and wouldn't move <laughs> and it are, just, are his eyes open he ain't yeah dead. yeah so um you know it's changed so much since then and it's good it's a good change because yeah you don't want anyone to get hurt but wcw action in the ring definitely looked more legit than even like sometimes e- ecw and he you know i remember thinking oh ecw is the real thing wcw and wwf are fake but uh you know the ring action and the moves definitely looked more crisp yeah, it was just, I don't know, just something about the sound, the map me, just makes me feel good inside. But um, <laughs> that's weird, but it just, this is how it was. I don't so, know. By the way, as a aside, the Nitro ring, uh, did you know that they had a light under the ring? And that's why when the lights were off, the Nitro signs would uh, kind of like glow in the dark? I did not know that. Yeah. 
Interesting. I learn something new every day. I didn't yeah. know that at all. Yeah. Okay. It looked cool. <laughs> they <laughs> I they did, didn't do I, that on pay-per-views, but on Nitro, it looked cool. I never noticed that one, one, th- one time <laughs> in my life. But you noticed it because that's what you noticed. That's what, that's what I do. things you want. Um, <laughs> before they got into the ring, I was wanted to mention that N- Nagata's vest, I don't know what the hell that was. Uh, like some foam Dragon Ball Z type of thing he had going there. Don't know what it was. Uh, Ultimo Dragon got used to a spiral this time. Good for he you, did. Ultimo. He did. He was ready. <laughs> it didn't scare the hell out of him this time. Yeah, he walked like 10,000 feet first. And I was like, I'll, like, I'll stop here. <laughs> right. So good for Ultimo Dragon as a step up there. Uh, I always enjoyed Mike Tanay on commentary. I think he gets overlooked as the... Uh, the professor that he was supposed to be back yeah. in WCW. I know some people people might remember him as a play-by-play for uh, TNA, for Impact. Yeah. Yeah. And he was okay in that role. But I think as a professor, as a guy who was breaking down the Japanese and the, and the Mexican wrestlers, he was fantastic, in my opinion. Like, he talked about this match. Talked about Even though there wasn't a title on the line, but there was like serious ramifications in that. Uh, you know, there's big paydays at stake in Japan and in the U.S. And, you know, it's just like those little things that even without a title on the line, it still gave the match stakes. Yes. Uh, and I think Tony, Mike Tanay was really good at that. And I'm going to talk about him again later on. One real quick thing. I forgot to mention this last week because it was a TV show, but I wanted to mention something else that people, they, they said in WCW commentary that made total sense that I don't know why they wouldn't do this today. Uh, but Clash of the Champions, Tony Schiavone talked about the TV break and how if, you know, they took a TV, they took a, a commercial break during the match. Now, they didn't happen on Halloween Happy. It was a pay-per-view. But he talked about how if the match finished during the commercial, they would show the replay when they came back. It's like, wow, that just <laughs> makes total sense because you just tell the viewer this match can end during the commercial break. Whereas in WWF today, or WWE, I should say, the match just magically continues during the commercial break and magically ends when we're back on commercial break. <laughs> like, yeah. And I, I just love that little touch that you just don't hear anymore. And I like the little touch Tanae put into this match to make it to give it some meaning, give it some ramifications. Yeah, that's a great point. And I don't, I'm not sure that's the only time uh, he did that, but he, I definitely remember hearing it more in WCW at, at all. Uh, Jim Ross may have started doing it in WWF, but not around this time. You know, he... Tony closed like all logic gaps, you know, and that's what made me love uh, watching WCW because I didn't feel insulted, you know, half the time. And not, I'm not saying WWF felt that way in 96, 97, but now that's all they do is just insult the viewer. And it's like, come on, like just treat us like we know what we're watching and try and make it, you know, seem like at least you're trying. And that's what Tony did. You know, that was a perfect example that you laid out, you know, he, and he did that, and they didn't do that very often. They didn't take commercial breaks very often during matches. But when they did, you know, even on Nitro, they would kind of show the far shot as the match was still going on. They would play the Nitro music, and then Tony would be like, if this match ends, we'll make sure you see it, uh, what happened when we come back. And, you know, they always cut away like that a little bit. And it, it made it seem like, I don't want to say more real, but, uh, you know, I just I didn't feel insulted. And even as a 12-year-old, you know, I, I understood, you know, kind of what I've been watching for this point at seven years at seven years, I can kind of grasp what I'm watching. So, 
that's a great point. Yeah, and and then because Tanay talks about the big paydays it could get, that means Dusty has now has to mention the pay window, <laughs> which I always love when he talks about the pay window. It's just nobody goes to a pay window anymore, but he's he's old school. So the pay window. <laughs> Back in the day, get get when it gets to go to the pay window. I just love it. I don't know why I love that so much. It's just how and, it is. But either way, and I will echo your sentiment about him. Like today, he basically gave you a reason why to care about what you're watching if it didn't involve any titles or anything like that. And I love that too. Yeah, I thought I thought he was dope in that role. But uh, this match, pretty uh, basic match. Uh, not even a basic match. It was a good match. I thought it was a good uh, opener. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very good opener. Uh, Nagata wins with the armbar. Uh, Ultimate Dragon taps out very fast, very quickly, and Sonny Ono hops in there, kicks his arm out of his arm, and pays Yuji Nagata <laughs> uh, with an envelope. So hey, man, you know you did the job. Yeah. So that that was that. So yeah. we move on to a backstage. I guess they're doing like an internet radio show, yeah. which you know. Back in the day, this was before podcast, so internet radio show. Uh, well, I guess people are listening. I guess <laughs> <laughs> the, the the online commentary, I guess you know, edition. This is didn't you say you paid for one of these one time? Uh, this was not what I paid for. This this was probably something for uh, you would have to pay extra during the pay per view to get like this. This was like I actually paid for an event that was just broadcast via audio so it was like a house show but there was commentators and stuff so that's what i paid for i didn't pay for anything like the backstage interview <laughs> or anything like that especially now with mark madden oh hell no <laughs> he, uh, he, I he'll just never be a, he'll never wrestling. be a guest on this podcast no no no, no. We, we're we probably disagree with mark madden on a lot of different things mm-hmm. uh and wrestling and his sports takes his wrestling takes uh yeah but he's back there with also another person we probably disagree with and that is dick's disco inferno <laughs> no you had it right the first time <laughs> i look I, I slipped out a little bit i didn't mean to to say that but uh <laughs> and disco inferno at this point is a television champion who knew i didn't know he won a tv title i knew he won a cruiserweight title or something like that i didn't know he won a tv title but yeah. disco is pretty much there being a misogynist Saying that the woman belongs in the home, he probably yeah. still feels that way today. Yeah. Um, and then Miss Jackie comes up. Jacqueline comes up and chases him away and almost beats <laughs> him up. And Dusty is just head over heels <laughs> with the fact that, that Mark Madden got knocked down apparently during this. She, she knocked him down. Did you see that? Oh, Mark Madden got knocked down. <laughs> Dusty was on one on this show. I mean, it was you know, great. we need to market your Dusty. Imitations on this podcast. That's what's going to get us advertisers. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> I'll make a you know an audiogram of just Vaughn's dusty Im- imitations. <laughs> yeah, cause, I mean, he would like. I got. I got I, you're gonna, you're gonna have more. You're, yeah, you're gonna have more. So because there's, there's some moments where <laughs> Dusty is just going crazy, <laughs> and I. Just love it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if people dislike, maybe, I'm pretty sure before Dusty died, people probably ripped on him for his WCW commentary. I'm pretty sure those people exist out there. I'm pretty sure those marks exist. 
I don't know how. I'm pretty sure they don't exist anymore because Dusty's passed on. Rest in peace, Dusty Rose. And you know, you know how people get when somebody passes away. They all of a sudden they were the greatest of all time. Yeah. But they were trashing them while they were alive. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not that type of show. We're gonna give people their flowers while they're still here to smell them, and while you know after they're gone as well. Dusty was fantastic on commentary. I loved Dusty on commentary. It's just. Just like the same way I love Booker T on commentary back in the day. And now people, all of a sudden, when they come to the Booker T account, yeah. everybody loves Booker T on commentary again. I've been telling y'all this for years. He's he's fantastic on commentary. He's <laughs> hilarious. He's entertaining, which is more than what I can say for 90% of the announcers out there right now. And same thing with Dusty Rhodes. He kept me entertained. And he was, you know, he had funny things to say. He had some legitimate analysis sometime, but he didn't even need to do that. Just be Dusty Rhodes, and it was great. I, I loved it. Yeah, I'm with you. So next match here, we get a bonus unadvertised match. So I guess they just like, oh, we don't have enough. We can't fill up the whole three-hour yeah. pay-per-view <laughs> yeah. with the card we got. Gato, Chris Jericho, get out there and have a match. So <laughs> 20-something years ago, Jericho was on an unadvertised match. How about that? Might have things have changed since then. Yeah, and they actually dubbed over his uh, music on this pay per view. So we heard Break the Walls Down, but in our last deep dive, Class of the Champions 35, they did not. So somebody's missing the boat. Yeah, very inconsistent, WWE Network. But one thing I did notice when they dubbed over his music WWF's music was so much better than WCW's. (laughs) Jim Johnston. Bonafide legend, yes. like straight up legend. He yep. he was he was amazing at what he did. You could just tell the difference in quality. And I'm not saying WCW's music was bad. It just wasn't great. Like <laughs> yeah. WWF music, a lot of times was great. They, WCW they were selling his, DVDs or DVDs. They were selling CDs of their entrance music. That's how good it was. It was fantastic. If WCW knew how to promote and market itself, they probably would have did the same thing, but they yeah. didn't. Nope. Uh, but WCW's was okay. It just felt mostly generic. They had some bangers. Of course, the NWO theme was a banger. Uh, Sting's like theme around this time was pretty yeah. good. Yep. Dusty Dustin Rhodes' <laughs> theme back in the day, The Natural. Yeah. That was that's a banger. That's about you it. You know what? <laughs> Eddie Guerrero's, I think, uh, was pretty good. Uh, yep. I, I, yeah. The one he had on this show was pretty good. It was yep. Nice and smooth. You know, so I like that. I thought it was perfect for even the, like a the, heel persona. The Wolfpack theme, the Wolfpack theme was good. Yeah, and Goldberg's theme was good. Yeah, and Harlem Heat. I'll give you Harlem Heat as yeah, well. Yeah, that's true. That's a good one. Harlem Heat was dope. Other Chris, than that, though, a lot of there's a very mixed bag of. Well, Chris like, Benoit wasn't that bad. I don't recall Benoit yeah, actually. Just like a, I'll send it. I'll send you an MP3. Okay. <laughs> It's hard to describe. You don't have to do that. I can just what, look it what? up. Oh, that's true. <laughs> can go on YouTube or something. I'll send you a um, mid-eye file. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Or m- um, midi, is that how they pronounce it? I don't even know. Probably. Midi, mid-eye. Mid, mid, I'm pretty sure mid-eye is not mid-eye. it, though. <laughs> My die. Mid-eye. <laughs> My die. But outside of those couple themes, those handful of songs, it's a mixed bag of like kind of okay, kind of mediocre, and just straight trash. Like, <laughs> Rey Mysterio's music did not fit him at all in the show. Like, what the hell was that? You this high-flying youngster, and he's coming out to this very... I thought it was Dean Malenko coming out. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> is this the Iceman? Or is this the high-flying... The man of a thousand aerial... Rey Mysterio? The man of a thousand aerial moves. <laughs> 
pretty much. It was bad, real bad. Gato's music wasn't that good on his show. <laughs> Everybody's music wasn't that good. But Trash. I will say, and for those who don't know, Gato, of course, is one of the main bookers for New Japan, and he is Okada's manager. But on this night, he was Jer- Chris Jericho's opponent, and uh, they had a good match. And yeah. today, again, I was, this is what I wrote down here for him, uh, put over Gato so strong. And talked about all the different tournaments he was competing in, and he had won, and who he had beaten. And it's like, damn, they made he made Gato sound like a top guy. Of course, he wasn't a top guy. <laughs> he was in an unadvertised <laughs> match, but it's like he gave him credibility that you know Chris Jericho needed when he beat right, Gato. Like, exactly, it's like he was helping Chris Jericho that whole time. Right. So, like I put it here, Tanay was okay as a play-by-play, but he was fantastic as a professor. Absolutely. 100% agree. So, did, did you uh did you happen to catch the time where Jericho tried the Hurricane Rana off the top rope? I, I will, look, I got that written down. I I put here the wrestling so far has been very good, no weird gimmicks or angles. Don't Man, worry you're writing though. in complete sentences? Jeez. I am typing on a computer. Oh, okay. Uh but don't worry, the weird gimmicks and angles are go- are going to come. So, don't worry. <laughs> Um, but I did hear, put here, Jericho damn near broke his neck <laughs> trying to do the Frankensteiner how did he off not? the top rope. Yeah, I, it's a miracle he's still walking today. I don't know how he survived that. And like I said, the referee just stood there. Like, he saw it happen. He he didn't even think, oh, Jericho might have broken his neck. Didn't even go over to him. It's like, they were just like, yeah, whatever. If they... <laughs> They weren't moving for maybe twenty seconds. They would be like, "Okay, something wrong." But yeah, what yeah, is AEW? Come on! <laughs> <laughs> Get it together, WCW. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I still can't believe that happened. By the way, I will never get over that, and the fact that everyone just kind of moved past it, but. If you're not familiar with what we're talking about, go back and listen to episode 251. It's in the archives. Yeah. Shootersradio.com. And you'll hear Nick Bacone rant for about 20, 30 minutes about <laughs> concussions and Matt Hardy and head trauma. It's it's a doozy. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's worth the listen. Trust me. Mm. Um, Jericho wins. It was a good match, by the way, but he won with the Lion Tamer. He did not break his neck. He is okay, and that's great. Um, now he's the demo god. How do you how you figure? He goes go. from damn near breaking his neck in an unadvertised match to you know twenty three years later he's the demo god. What a <laughs> what a glow up, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> what a come up. Um, <laughs> now we transition backstage to a very strange argument. <laughs> Between Mongo McMichael <laughs> and Deborah McMichael. When not last week we talked about them arguing at Clash of Champions, it wasn't really an argument. It was just like Mongo saying nope and walking away. <laughs> they called that a domestic situation. <laughs> this sort of resembled a domestic situation. Yeah. And no nothing about this <laughs> at all. <laughs> but they had this bizarre argument, like Deborah was happy the whole time. And he, he's like, give me your credit cards. Give me this. Give me, give me that ring. And he's like, nope. <laughs> 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 it was weird. Then they both look at the camera together and like, 
pretty much go end scene together. Like it was weird. It was <laughs> yeah. very weird. She's so I th- the story here. I guess Jeff Jarrett's on his way out. So uh, Deborah has a mystery opponent for Mondo. And she's like listing people, and then she lists Steven Seagal as one of the possibilities. <laughs> she and did, like, and I'm just like, what? Like, come Steven on, Seagal, man. he's hard to kill, man. That's why you get him. Uh, I, By the way, Mongo kind of looked like Steven Seagal. Maybe that's where she got it from. Ah, maybe, maybe, maybe. See, it's hard to believe that Steven Seagal was like a major movie star in the early '90s, like. Yeah, massive movie star. Yeah, big time movies. People thought he was like really whooping people's asses out here. <laughs> Steven Seagal wasn't a um, wasn't uh didn't Will Sasso have like a great like <laughs> he a probably did. character? Is it like a he on Mad TV or something like that? He was always Steven yeah. Seagal. So. <laughs> That's what I remember the most about Steven Seagal. How about that? That's wild. <laughs> I, I vaguely remember. Will Sasso's impersonation of Steven Seagal, who Will Sasso also did a very funny impersonation of Steve Austin. Yeah, I do remember that. He did on, I think, SmackDown one time. It was really really good. (laughs) (laughs) He had the knee braces on and everything. (laughs) It's actually a really good impersonation of Steve Austin. So uh, check that out after the podcast, I guess. Uh, Will Sasso. Uh, But. We move on from this weird-ass argument <laughs> to the WCW Cruiserweight Championship match between Rey Mysterio mm. and Eddie Guerrero in a classic. What a transition. We go from something stupid to a classic the very next segment. Yeah, perhaps one of I don't think anyone would disagree. It's one of, let me say that again, one of the best WCW matches in WCW history. It's up there for sure. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, if you haven't seen Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero from Halloween Havoc, 1997, you need to pause this podcast, go out of your way and watch it. It's that good. And it's crazy to think that Rey Mysterio now is 45. He'll be 46 at the end of this year. This is 23 years ago. That means he was like 23, 22, 23 years old when he had this match. Like, he's a baby. (laughs) Yeah, that's incredible. When he had this match. Uh, I wrote down first that Rey Mysterio's gear from this night is iconic. Yes. Like, the purple bodysuit is something that everybody in wrestling knows. Like, every wrestler tried to copy in some way, taking inspiration from... It's like one of the most iconic fits in wrestling history. Like it's up there with like the white and gold from like Shawn Michaels of WrestleMania 12. Mm-hmm. Like the one one off fits this this purple outfit from Mysterio at Halloween Havoc is up like high on the list. It's literally like like I said, it's iconic. And it it is funny because they did mention it during the match. And if Ray lost, this was a mask, you know, mask versus title match. So he would have to take off the entire suit. So it kind of, it, I don't want to say, I don't want to say it ruined it for me at 12 years old, but you know, I think we all kind of knew going into that pay-per-view that the people that were watching every week that Ray was going to win. Uh, but the fact that he had a whole bodysuit on uh, kind of right. cemented that. So can't be um, bucket naked out there. 
Uh, but it but, was funny because he was wearing a mask, you know, around his neck too. It was, uh, I guess it's symbolic or whatever. But he, he gave that to a fan, though. Oh, oh I must have missed that. Uh, yeah, he gave that. I mean, that, yeah, he did. He did that back then. Yeah, yeah. Also, I forgot. <laughs> Copied to... off Bret Hart. <laughs> <laughs> Ripper. I forgot to mention that Seth didn't Seth Rollins cosplay this when he went against Rey Mysterio or Dominic Mysterio recently. Uh, I think it's at SummerSlam. He, I think he did. I think, I think he, he cosplayed did. this yeah. at SummerSlam, and Rick, uh, I believe Ricochet also had a, a, a something like this. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was any time recently, but you know, when he was an actual uh, <laughs> superstar, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to trash him, but oh my goodness, WWE okay. has not done him any favors. Not at all. But yes, uh, Seth Rollins did wear the purple outfit uh, at SummerSlam. I believe it was SummerSlam this year. Yeah. Uh, you said Ricochet. I spelled Ricochet wrong. But. <laughs> Rich O'Shea. R- Rich O'Shea. Uh, but no. Uh, this has been done before with, you know, th- th- that this particular gear being insp- inspiring other Spider-Man. people to kind of cosplay it and, you know, take a little bit and piece out of it. So. Uh, and Rey Mysterio's gear overall for his whole career has been dope. Like he's always like had a lot of different color combinations, different themes. Every WrestleMania he breaks out like in a different superhero. Like, like he comes out as flash one year and he came out as I think Batman and he did Joker one year. Heath Ledger Joker. It's always something real dope. He does uh, every year. WrestleMania just in general, he always changes up his look. And uh, I don't know, you know, I think it's cool. It adds to his character. His character is very colorful and vibrant and, Having all the different masks, I don't know how many masks this man is more, and different types of masks. He used to have the mask that went over, like around his head. Right. Then he went away, went from the one that had to like pretty much see, see the back of his head exposed. Yeah. Yep. Then he had like a little mohawk there going. Like there was so <laughs> many different types of variations of of mask and gear. He used to wear like the tights. Then he went to like the back of your pants when he yeah. won the world title. Then he's now he's back in the tights. He's he's worn the bodysuit type of thing with like the question mark on it. Like he's always changing it up. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Rem Studio and his uh, ever evolving aesthetic. Yeah, and I think uh, that's that's part of his legend. You know, like he, you, you think of Rey Mysterio, and that's what you think of all the different types of styles he wore. Not just his in, in ring ability, but you know he didn't he didn't come across as you know like a uh, like a unoriginal wrestler that just wore the same thing you know i know wrestlers tweak their looks for big shows but ray did it for almost every pay-per-view yeah, even he if just it was just big. to do it yeah and he's that's definitely invested in his he heavily invested in his aesthetic yeah. over the years for sure uh his music was still trash though on the show <laughs> i don't know what the hell wcw is thinking giving such a vibrant bright athletic character and personality and giving him D. Malenko's music. Like, <laughs> why would you do that? Uh, uh, no idea. One thing I noticed when Eddie Guerrero was making his entrance, though, was that the announcers called him pound for pound the best wrestler in the business. And you can't argue that. No. And at 12 years old, I was like, what the hell are they talking about? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm still Ed- here as a mark, and I'm just like, what? Like, stop. Shut up. <laughs> But as an adult, and I'm like you, but when I was a kid, I didn't fully appreciate Eddie Guerrero. But as I've gotten older, and you you know you look at things with hindsight and more mature eyes, mm-hmm. and you know just more appreciation for the little things, 
you begin to realize Eddie Guerrero, in my opinion, at least, I'll speak for me when I say this. Just from a, I know I've said Bobby Heenan is probably the most talented person to ever be in wrestling, but just in just from a wrestler standpoint, just sheer wrestler, so no managers, nothing like that. Eddie Guerrero might be the most versatile, the most well-rounded talent ever. Like he's in that class of the most versatile, well-rounded people of all time. From he could do the high flying style, he could brawl with you. He was believable in both. Uh, he was a great babyface. I think he was a all-time great babyface, but he's also a damn good heel when he wanted to be. He could talk in both sides. He had charisma as either one. Like, he could do different types of styles in the ring. He could be funny. He could be really mean. I mean, he was great. He was he, he is like a Swiss Army knife, but he can do it all at an extremely high level. He's yeah. one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. Period. And I'm not sure there's more than a handful of wrestlers that have been really great baby faces and really great heels. And Eddie's among them. You know, you can point at Hulk Hogan, maybe you can point at Roddy Piper, but then like Eddie Guerrero is right up there. And it's not a long list at all. And like legit list. Like you, you wouldn't put Roman Reigns up there because he was a terrible baby face. But, you know, like I'm, I'm specifically like, you know, you just look at wrestling history right now. You know, those three might be the top three uh, of all time. R- Ric Flair yeah. wasn't like he was. There were people that cheered him even as he, a heel. Maybe he's up there. Right, but he was a uh, much better babyface. Like he was way yeah. better as a babyface than the baby. Not as a as a heel, I should say, than right, the babyface. Right, right. As a heel, so, he's a good. He's a decent babyface, but he was classic quintessential heel. Yeah. So Eddie's right right in that discussion. Absolutely. And, it's, and even just his style in the ring, like he could do the lucha, athletic, you know, style, or he can do the technical style. Like he had matches with Benoit where they were mat wrestling and stuff like that, and he was yeah. right there with him. He could brawl, which he could fight. He had to like the parking lot brawl with John Cena, where they, you know, in that circle, the, the, the iron circle, I think they called it, whatever it was, <laughs> um, whatever they called it. Either way, it was a brawl. It was a fight, and it was he was believable in that. He could pretty much there's nothing he couldn't do as far as wrestling, like. I don't, you know, there originally wasn't a flaw in his game. Obviously, he had his personal demons outside of wrestling, but when he was in the ring, I mean, who could do, like, Steve Austin wasn't as versatile as Eddie Guerrero. Steve Austin wasn't doing Lucha Libre stuff. Now, obviously, yeah. Eddie Guerrero was born into that. His, his family's legacy is Lucha Libre. They're all luchadors, but even if Steve Austin went to a school and, and trained in that style, I don't know he could pull it off. You know, it just that just wasn't his thing. Steve Austin could do a lot of other things, but he couldn't do that. And also, like I said, Eddie could also do what other people did. He was he was I don't know. I, I can go all day about Eddie Guerrero, but he really was uh, among the greatest of all time. And I know people love him. I know people, um, you know, have nothing but respect for him. Look back on his career fondly. But I think you could also include him in more conversations about greatest of all time. Like I think people mention, Oh, Steve Austin, the rock, uh, flair, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. I think Eddie Guerrero deserves to be in those conversations on a more consistent basis. My opinion. Yeah. I don't think you would find many that disagree with you. Uh, the only ones that might be like, Oh yeah, well, how much did he draw? Blah, blah, blah. And I'll talk about that. But we talk about character we talk about everything that you listed. He's up there, man. He's absolutely up there. Yeah. Uh, but as far as this match, though, uh, 
getting into it. Rey Mysterio, man, he was doing some incredible stuff. Yeah. For not just 1997 standards, but he was doing some wild stuff by today's standards. But you can only imagine what people were like when they saw this for the first time <laughs> in 1997. Yeah, I was. Where he did going nuts. He did. The springboard backflip DDT. That was <laughs> ridiculous. Re, I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone can ever do that again. <laughs> that might be like, like one in one in a million. You know, that was incredible. I, Ray Mister AJ Styles has done something similar to that. It was an inverted DDT, and he like dropped a guy, like straight down. Man, it's so. Fluid. This was a. Straight up DDT, like it's fluid, smooth, boom, all like one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. The backflip, it was, it, it was, that was like, damn, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that then he did that blends to your point, Eddie Guerrero, goat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he could base the luchadors. Yeah, because he was bigger than all of them, a lot of them. Um, then he did the, the front flip. He front flips. Lands on Eddie Guerrero's shoulders out of the, so he did the flip out of the ring, mm-hmm. landed on Eddie Guerrero's shoulders, and then turned that into a hurricane runner. Yeah, like, what? Yeah, <laughs> when he was like two inches off the floor, it was like what? Right, like, you would think he's just gonna fall on the floor, but nope. He did it so crazy. Didn't he? Did the, the finish was the and by the way, in between all these massive moves from Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero is dictating the entire pace of the match. Like he is beating the hell out of Rey Mysterio, tearing at his mask. You can see that he has the eye makeup around his eyes. Um, There's no lulls. There's no lulls. Like, you might have, like, rest holes, but during the rest holes, he was doing all that. So you were emotionally yeah. involved at all times. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. There, there was no lulls, like you said. Um, but at at the end, Mysterio pulls off. What he, Eddie has him up in a razor's edge position. He's going yeah. to hit him with the razor's edge from the top rope. Mysterio reverses this, like somehow leaps backwards or something like that into a Hurricane Rana, takes him off the top rope with the Hurricane Rana, pins him, and wins the match. Crazy. And it's like, I don't know how he even did that. <laughs> um, but then he won, and people were going crazy. The announcers were going crazy. And I wrote that watching Mysterio in the 1990s was like watching the dunk contest. The announcers. Every time he did something big, like he just jumped off the rope, they went, oh, 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 like they were going crazy. It was like I wasn't watching a wrestling match anymore. I was watching the dunk contest because people were just going bonkers for it. It's like I was watching An One mixtape. You remember An One mixtapes back in the day? Oh, sure. You don't. But for those that don't remember, <laughs> I know what An One mixtapes were like. Huh? I know what And One is. You don't remember the An One mixtapes, though? No. Come on, man! Man, what would I? When, what, I didn't. I didn't do any of that. You didn't. I do, you had to. I didn't do it neither. I didn't <laughs> play basketball like that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I wasn't. I wasn't involved in all that. that. I went I to wrestling messes. I went to wrestling messes boys boards and complained about John Cena. And I could put the ball between WCW. my legs. I could. I could ball, but I wasn't doing the stuff they was doing. <laughs> but. It was like the hottest thing on the streets in the late '90s, early 2000s. You you got your hands on the N1 mixtape. Everybody's at your house trying to watch it. They was doing crazy <laughs> stuff, and every time they did some crazy crossover and made somebody fall and break their ankles, it was like, oh snap! He did the he did this and he did that. Oh and he oh my god! And it's like wow, his, his bones hanging out of his ankle. You can see it coming through his skin. Like it's crazy. Like it was wild. 
alley oops and stuff like that, and you didn't even know what the score was in these games. It's just you just saw the moves, you just saw the the crazy handles and you know the crazy ways they did you know like I said oops and stuff like that. But that's that's what watching a Ray Mysterio match felt like to me, especially this one. But him in general in the nineteen nineties was just off the charts. Yeah, I always was. I was. Uh, I hated, you know, when he was like a filthy animal and he lost his mask and any of that. But like his whole WCW run, man, it was it was like this. Like he might have changed characters, but you know he didn't wrestle like differently. And he's even doing this stuff twenty three years later. I don't remember the last time he wrestled, but you know it wasn't twenty twenty, and he's still doing stuff like this. It's absolutely bonkers well he's wrestling he's wrestling Seth Rollins earlier this year I know yeah you might have wanted to forget that but <laughs> well uh, yeah I'm, I'm not I'm talking no horror shows here oh okay okay that's fair <laughs> but like even when he came back at the rubble he, he's not wearing those baggy pants he's wearing tights like he looks like the Rey Mysterio of 1997 yeah I mean he, like, he's, I mean maybe I'm over over you know stating it but like Rey Mysterio 97 was goat status yeah again he was doing stuff that other people just weren't capable of doing yeah and he was they, they, anything like that and then you had really all the cruiserweights were doing that stuff but Mysterio was yeah. kind of like a level above and you know I, I enjoyed watching it uh, I didn't watch you know wrestling for that type of stuff but you know when that stuff came on I was watching it just because it was different you know it might not been NWO might not have been you know Hulk Hogan and Piper or uh, Sting but you know that's that stuff also kept me hooked, even as a twelve-year-old. Yeah, he was he was dope, and he's still dope. Shout out to Ray Mysterio. Yeah, he, he's a he's a legend. Getting his uh, family jobs, like it's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> he's look a at family that. man. Nepotism works out sometimes with some people. You know, <laughs> it always works out for some people, but it doesn't work out for others. Good. But, but, I ain't mad at Ray Mysterio. Get your people some some work. Get them some money. Yeah. yeah you know? And shout out to Dominic. He's been. Tearing it up right now as you know the wrestler Look, WWE. He got a great teacher in his pops. That's right. Got a great teacher. Dominic gets towers over his dad. I don't know if he could do all the stuff his dad used to because his dad was smaller. <laughs> uh, but he, he's got a future. Clearly, he's got a future. He can yeah. work. Yeah. He's he's definitely much better than I think people expected from him. Given that he hasn't been like an independent worker or nothing right. like that, I think right. people always look at if you haven't worked in independence or nothing like that. We haven't been training at the performance center for a couple of years. You're not gonna be any good. Well, <laughs> it's in his blood, man. Some people just naturally gifted, and they can they can do this stuff. And it's not everybody, but Dominic's got some good teachers. He's working with Seth Rollins. <laughs> like Seth Rollins knows yeah. what he's doing. Yep. Uh, Buddy Murphy knows what he's doing. So they're definitely helping him. But he's also got a great teacher in in, in his pop. And uh, so yeah, shout out to the to the Mysterio family. I know that's not your actual name, but your family <laughs> still. <laughs> Y'all still family. Um, moving on though, we go to a black and white promo from Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff. Where Hulk Hogan says he feels unsafe because Sting has been, you know, chasing him around for pretty much the entire year, and he doesn't want to do the cage match if Sting is anywhere near the building. If he's in the building, he won't do the match and he will leave. Okay. One thing I noticed though. Well, for one, Hogan said he's worried about the fans. He wants the fans to have a good match because suddenly the heel Hulk Hogan <laughs> cares about the fans. Um, one thing I noticed is that Hogan's gloves were weird. Did you notice this? Yeah, the fact that he had like two fingers cut off, but 
the other's not. Is that what you're talking right. about? Right. Yeah. What well, what the hell was going on there? Yeah, that was just what he did. Like I I real I kind of recognized that later on too. Like in '97, like I didn't really notice it, but you know, as I'm watching stuff back the last few years, I noticed that. It's just weird. weird. <laughs> I don't know if it's like a grip thing or if it actually makes a difference or if it's just for the look, but, you know, it was different. I I don't know. It was weird. (laughs) Maybe he was trying the mandible claw somehow. Maybe. You're trying out a new move. I don't know. Uh, So after Hulk Hogan makes this announcement, the announcers are thrown into a tizzy. They don't know. (laughs) They can't even focus anymore. They're like, what? What the hell? Who the hell does he think he is going to leave? What the hell is this? Meanwhile, Steve McMichael and Alex Wright are having a match. <laughs> and they just can't talk about anything else but Hogan and his little announcement. Tony Schiavone is livid. Who the hell does he think he is? This is the greatest <laughs> night in the history of our sport, and he pulls this? What the hell is wrong with him? <laughs> yeah. They were upset, yeah. bro. Dude, I, I wrote that down. I was like, Schiavone's going nuts. He's not even like calling the match. And uh, he did that. I don't. Th- I think he did it for a few matches, actually. He did, but yeah. he, he, they even admitted this, it. It's like we're not even paying attention to this match. <laughs> yeah, that, be paying attention to the. To see, this. that's the funny part of it. As much as I hated that type of thing, and I think the criticism was warranted uh, a, a lot back then. They would talk about NWO stuff during random matches, uh, even on like their B shows, like Saturday Night. You know, matches that didn't ever matter. They would talk only about like NWO and Sting and Hogan and stuff like that. Um, you know, it is what it is, but during a pay-per-view, during like, like you don't need to do that. You know, it was just, I guess they just wanted to get the point across that the match might not happen. But then the people that are watching are like, man, I'm going to get a refund if this doesn't happen. You know, <laughs> like, so, so, so why are like, they're hammering it over our head that it might not happen. Like, I'm not sure that was exactly smart. Like, I'm about to watch this pay-per-view for free, bro. Like, it's not <laughs> So, go ahead. Let them not come out. And I'm sitting I'll there. I'll get my $40 back. <laughs> At 12 years old, I'm like, I mean, it's going to happen. Why are they so angry? Like, it, they wouldn't Well, they wouldn't do the card subject to change type thing here. I mean, but in the framework of the story, I get it. Yeah, I got it now. I got, I got it now. But even as a twelve-year-old, I'm like, they wouldn't do that. Like, (laughs) (laughs) what's the point? Honestly, we know it's going to happen. So that that's probably you know a criticism. It's like you know we know full well it's going to happen. Why would you even entertain this whole thing? What was the point? Yeah, we'll find out later on. There really was no point. Yeah, you're just overshadowing the next couple matches, and maybe that was their. Maybe that was their mo, but it it was stupid. I don't know why that would yeah. be uh, uh, an objective to overshadow, you know, the next few matches before JJ Dillon even came out to do whatever he did. But yeah, yeah, this so Mago and Alex Wright match was something. Right. I mean, this match was forgettable. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, Alex Wright was cool. We talked about oh, him a lot last week. Um, it, they took forever to hit his music. Like he came out and he was right, like standing he came there. <laughs> and then I hear, the, I finally hear the music, and then he starts dancing. <laughs> like he didn't start dancing until the music started. He was probably. I mean, pissed. why would he? You gotta <laughs> no, have the tr- music first. True. He's like, let's go hit my damn music. Come on. I'm trying to dance. <laughs> uh, that's what I do. I do the dance. Like I'm Alex Wright. So they have a match. Uh, Goldberg comes out uh, and. Beats up Mongo with a spear and a jackhammer. 
and then literally just picked up Alex Wright like he was a sack of nothing <laughs> and tossed him on top of Mongo for the pin. Then Deborah, for some reason, who had possession of Mongo's Super Bowl ring, gave it to Goldberg. <laughs> and Goldberg is like, man, I played for a couple years in the NFL and didn't even sniff a Super Bowl. This is the closest I've ever come. Hooray! Yeah, like... <laughs> Uh, the only way it made sense if he was to be like, I'm going to sell this for millions, but like they were, they made it like uh, Goldberg has his ring, and you know he's he's Goldberg. a Super Bowl champion now. And you know back then I didn't understand the significance of that. I was like a, a Super Bowl ring. Who the hell cares about that? But Man. clearly now I understand. But <laughs> <laughs> you know it was, and the whole ending of the match was so screwy, and it it looks so terrible. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Uh, with I just like how Goldberg De- put the. For one, the ring was legit. It looked like the actual yeah. Bears Super Bowl ring. Yeah. Um, he just put it in his pants. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, he said he was. Then he, he had it on his it. hand. Yeah, he flipped it up when Deborah gave it to him and caught it in his other hand like it was nothing. <laughs> right. Like, bro, that's a Super Bowl ring, bro. Like, even back then, I mean, it's not like a massive ring like the ones nowadays. Like no, the ones no. nowadays are huge, but yeah. even still, that's still a Super Bowl ring. You don't just throw that around like. As somebody who possesses a Super Bowl ring, I couldn't imagine using my ring in an angle. Hell no. <laughs> nope. Let's let's do something else. Nope. Mm-mm. You better call Chicago. You better call the Bears. You better call Johnson, somebody, to get a replica because you're not using my ring. Mm-mm. If you're not putting this in his pants, he's not putting this on his hands. No. Get another ring. I'd be damned if he loses it or if he drops it and the diamonds fall out or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Or he's high-fiving a fan and it just so happens to slip off his finger and that fan runs off in my goddamn ring. No. So, speaking Mac- of Michael which, Michael, speaking of which, I-, I have my class ring on my keychain and the the stone fell out at some point and I don't even know See, when it happened. That's what I'm talking about. This mm-hmm. is why I can't be messing around with these rings, man. Yeah, I don't even know when it happened because you know, I don't really wear it, but... It's on my keychain, and then I noticed the other day the stone's gone. I was like, oh, might have been like that for months. I don't know. <laughs> By the way, that ring looked tiny in Goldberg's it hands. It did. It's tiny. These Super Bowl rings. The, the, the thing that stuck with me the most about this match was just the terrible ending with Deborah going up and then going down early, and then the ref literally looking over, seeing Goldberg like kick Mago's ass, but then right, try, he did. He actually it. looked over and saw it happen. <laughs> I was just like, "Come on, man!" Like, and this is Goldberg's first pay per view appearance because he debuted. Oh, wow. after, he debuted after Fall Brawl, and that was WCW's prior pay per view. So he, yeah, this was his first appearance. I think he was supposed to face Meng here, but uh, that obviously didn't happen. So they had him on the sh- got him on the show somehow. But um, it, you know, it made him feel like a big deal early. Uh, I remember watching. I was like, oh, "Like, what's nothing special about him? Whatever." Yeah, he, <laughs> he he grew on me clearly. But didn't he have a match at Mongo at Starcade? I think he did. It was either Starcade or War War Worth Three. Maybe he maybe both. Starcade. Yeah. Two big old football players. Yep. Having a match. But yeah, I was just like, was Goldberg and then played for the Falcons he speared, he speared Mongo, and Mongo like lands right next to the ref. And the ref like completely ignores him. Like, right right by on. his legs. He just, just like, nope, I gotta talk to Deborah. Yeah. <laughs> that whole thing was just so lame. But yes, he, he, hey. he beat cool. Mongo at Starcade in five minutes and fifty nine seconds. Oh wow, one of his longest matches. Probably kept his Super Bowl ring and <laughs> after that. Yeah. That actually might have been like <laughs> for the ring. I don't know. 
Maybe. Wonder what happened to World War Three. <laughs> the November pay per view. We're not live. We're not deep diving on that. I ain't got time. <laughs> I had enough WCW. The World War Three is like the pay per view that we'll probably never ever talk talk about ever. Any year. Now I want to. Now I want to watch it. <laughs> like, what happened at this show? Well, I mean, I don't like remember. I got I got the '97 one, and there was nothing special. Oh, okay. So. All and right. it's funny, you like, their 60-man like... battle royal lasted, like, 20 minutes. You know, it's, like, that definitely not like the Royal Rumble. <laughs> yeah, that is embarrassing. Wasn't that's, That wasn't the one where <laughs> Kevin Ash was just dumping people out, like, left and right? No, no, <laughs> like, that, was the, that was the next that was, year. The, the this 98. year, it was the Giant. 97 was the Giant dumping people out left okay. and right. <laughs> and then <laughs> Kevin just, Nash just... actually came out dressed as Sting. And they were oh the announcers God. were literally saying like, "Oh, Sting!" I'm like, "Oh my God, you got to be kidding me!" He's a foot taller than this Sting, oh, like, and he stepped over the top rope. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, maybe maybe you Sting. should watch it. Maybe you should watch it. We should watch it. <laughs> just the just the main event. <laughs> just the World War Three, the Battle Royal. Oh, it's it's. Oh yeah, my that, God, that was ridiculous. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> we got to move on. Moving yeah. on <laughs> to. <laughs> well first we're gonna get to Macho Man he's cutting a promo and yeah. it's pretty much a Slim Jim commercial yeah <laughs> uh, because I wrote here they were paying his bills you gotta remember Macho Man had a very lucrative endorsement deal with Slim Jim probably the only reason why Slim Jim was even involved with WCW I'm sure that was the case because with, with Macho Man also went Slim Jim to WCW. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Bam Bam and took, Diesel weren't cutting it in the WWF, so they were like, no. you know what, Randy? <laughs> no. You going to WCW, we coming with you. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, Macho Man took care of his peoples and got like four or five Slim Jim references in there. You snap into it. Yeah, <laughs> took it. All over and, his tights, too. Like, <laughs> Right. I was going to say that later. He had the whole Slim Jim fit. So it's like, look, man, they cutting you checks. You you rep your set, <laughs> like look here. I got an eagle shirt on right now. <laughs> they cutting them checks. I'm repping the set. <laughs> like that's how it is. So, uh, but now we move on to Disco Inferno, the misogynist himself, against Jacqueline, who let's take a moment to give Jacqueline her flowers, shall we? Let's. WWE Hall of Famer Jacqueline. And one of at a time where you didn't see too many black women in wrestling, especially at a high level, she was the one. Like pretty much, like you think about the Attitude Era or like WCW back then. Like how many other female yeah. black women were you know in wrestling at a high level? Yeah, that's a good question. Not many. There's mm. a lot of blonde, you know, white women out there yeah. doing anything, and Jacqueline was the one. Now. You know, it's the same that she was the only one, but hey, she was doing it, and she was carrying that torch for a long time. Uh, it was the black representation for black women. It, uh, jazz wasn't for another few years, and I think right. she was an ECW first, really. Right. As, like I said, at, yeah. a, at a national level, at a top level, WCW, WWF, she's pretty much the only black woman for a while. Mm-hmm. And that sucks, because she probably should have been a couple more. And they, you know, like I said, there was a couple more coming. You know, you had Jazz, uh, you had Queen Charmel. Yeah. Uh, you know, a few more here and there, but Jacqueline was the one, and she was a badass, and she was a, a legend. Even by this point, she was out there uh, doing things, and you saw, like, they put her over like she was a badass. She would just go in front of his ass from one side of the ring to the next. Um, 
But Jacqueline, yeah, legend. So let's give her her flowers while she's still alive to smell them. And again, WWE Hall of Famer, much deserved for her. But in this match, uh, this was apparently the state of Nevada would not allow Disco Inferno's TV title to be defended. So there's like a non-sanctioned match, which is funny because Jacqueline eventually became the Cruiserweight Champion in WWE. How about that? <laughs> Did, and that's when they pretty she, much retired the title. Did she eventually win the TV title or WCW? She probably did. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was this pay-per-view, but then I was kind of like, oh, I guess not. You know, my uh, timelines might have been messed up. But I thought she won it. I mean, it's possible. Uh, I can look up her championships. Yeah, I'll see. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. You know, she won the... Yep, she won the Cruiserweight Championship. She's a two-time women's champion in WWE. She did not win the WCW oh, okay. Television Championship. Maybe that's just me dreaming, then. Maybe. Wishing that she did. <laughs> but, I mean, how many women have won male championships in pro right. wrestling? That's a small list, too. You can get China, who won the IC title. Mm-hmm. Tessa Blanchard won the Impact Heavyweight Championship. Jacqueline Moore won the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. Again, trailblazer. Yeah. Jacqueline. So, her flowers that we're giving her are much deserved, I would say. Absolutely. So, this match, though, beneath her. This match was not... Mm-hmm. This match was very forgettable. Other than the fact that... Well, first, all the announcers, they were talking about Hogan still. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all they were still yeah. talking about. Yeah. Dusty said he went backstage. He said there was a bunch of people back there. All hell had broken loose. Okay, we'll believe that. Um, but <laughs> at one point, Disco, because Disco was just, you know, kind of keeping his distance, didn't really want to get into it with her. He didn't, he didn't throw punches. He didn't throw strikes. Jacqueline threw strikes on him. Again, whooped his ass plenty of times. <laughs> um, but at one point, Jacqueline had a slight little wardrobe malfunction that uh, people in the arena noticed. Yeah. And it wasn't the first time she had a little bit of a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> or it wouldn't be the last time, I should say. Um, but, you know, that's happened here and there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, that was pretty much it. I thought there was something else in this match that I wrote down. But, no, that was it. Yeah, I had uh, something about Steve. Uh, so Stevie Richards had a sign saying "Disco versus Jackie, girl versus girl." I was like, "Oh, that's kind of, haha." Is that supposed to be like funny? Um, disco yep. stalled, and I think this was a, you know, this was originally why Eric Bischoff fired Disco Inferno months before this, because uh, he had wanted him to lose to Jacqueline, and he refused to do it, and he eventually came back, and Bischoff was like, "Well, you know." You're coming back. You're going to job to Jacqueline, and that's exactly what he did. So you're still he, losing this match, homie. Yeah, he didn't lose the title, but I think the uh, the fact that if it was if Bischoff had his way, he would have lost the title to her. But I think the way they booked it at Halloween Havoc in Vegas, uh, it just wasn't able to be done. But I don't know if maybe he wanted Jacqueline to be TV champion or not, but. You know, I always thought that was the end game here. That's why maybe I just assumed that she did win it, but I guess not. Well, clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> clearly not. But um, 
Yeah, I got nothing else from this match. This match was, yeah. this match was forgettable. Uh, moving on to the next match. The WCW United States Championship <laughs> between Ric Flair and the WCW Cruiserweight Champion Kurt <laughs> Henning. <laughs> this was the match I was looking forward to the most. And it is obviously the one that let me down the most. So... I'm going to ask you this question. Why did Kurt Hennig have the Cruiserweight Championship with him? <laughs> he was the United States champion. So I was reading reviews earlier that people wrote about this pay-per-view, wondering if you know s- some people were going to say that and maybe give a reason as to why he, was, he had the Cruiserweight title because maybe they looked into it. If you do a Google search for like, Kurt Henning, Cruiserweight title, Halloween Havoc 97 or whatever, and you re- you see the reviews that pop up. None of the main reviews that pop up right away even mention the fact that Kurt Henning has the Cruiserweight title. <laughs> Not one. So, I mean, my theory is that he simply lost the belt, and, uh, you know, they had a, you know, he, I don't know what, he, it was a U.S. title match. I don't understand why they couldn't just make up an excuse to, like they did with, Jacqueline to Disco, I know they would have to not do the women versus man thing, but give it an excuse as to maybe Flair was okay with not sanctioning the match so it couldn't be a title match. Like something, just tell us. Because if he didn't have the U.S. title, then just it gave you a reason for him not to have a belt. Don't give him another belt that we can clearly see is not the U.S. title. Because that just made it look even worse. And it actually insulted. I, I remember 12 years old. I saw this. I, I didn't just notice it. I saw it when 12 years old. And I'm like, this is stupid. Like, what? what like, I almost felt like they. <laughs> I was a mark at 12 years old. I'm like, they're insulting my intelligence. What the hell? I know he's not the cruiserweight champion. Like, don't give him a belt just to have a belt. Make up something as to why he doesn't have the U.S. title. Not make it a, a less of a. I don't know, but I guess because, you know, the ending with the DQ, maybe it would have messed. That, obviously, that's why. I just figured it out because the friggin' ending of the match. But uh, They couldn't just, they didn't just have a, a backup title on standby? I, like, I, I, Or just put a, a, a chair there. Why does it have to be the belt? Like, it, it didn't make sense to me at all. It, huge letdown and logic holes everywhere. And uh, it really pissed me off because... You know, they tried their best not to show the title. You could tell the camera work was like, we're not going to shoot that title. That's why Kurt Hedding was dragging it with his right hand. So it didn't get a clear shot. I mean, eventually it did get a clear shot. Yeah, we but, clearly saw it, though. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. got a clear shot. Yeah, and then, you know, he's holding the title up in the ring before Flair comes out, and you have the wide shot. So we can't see, you know, what title it is. But by that point, we already know it's the Cruiserweight title. And it's just the most ridiculous thing. My theory is just he lost it, but... Uh, I haven't seen anything online that can kind of corroborate that. I they didn't. I I listened to eighty three weeks. Uh, Eric Bischoff uh, see it if they would talk about it, but they just glossed right over it. And uh, so I don't know exactly what why they needed to do this, but it was stupid. It was Ric Flair having the WWF Tag Team Title at Survivor Series ninety one. Stupid. What? what? These, these things are confusing. Just have a backup title on standby. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Carry a uh, foam, foam WCW belt or something. <laughs> oh yeah, that would have. Yeah, that would have been great. 
Like what when did he do? Talks. What did he do to Rey Mysterio, that jerk? <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> um, Hennig comes out with a sleeveless Ric Flair robe. And oh, that was cool. Wasn't that the that same robe he gave cool. to Hogan though? I was like, oh, I guess Hogan yeah. gave it back. <laughs> I don't know. I lose track of all those robes. Uh, Flair runs down with no robe uh, and starts beating up on Kurt Hennig. Meanwhile, Tony Schiavone is still mad oh, at the New dude, World that, Order. He's that's still what I, talking about That's him. what I wrote it down. I was like, Tony pissing me off with all this talk about Hogan. <laughs> like, bro, it's been three matches. Yeah. And he's still like, that no good piece of nothing. And this is Hennig no and good. Flair. This is the big, this should be like the blood match of the pay-per-view. Like, this is the US match. title. Yeah, this is the match. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, he was he was going in. He was going really in. Uh, one thing I noticed is that Dusty was talking a lot about concussions in, in 1997. Uh, and they said that he thought that Flair came back too soon mm. for this match. Mm. I found that interesting. Given mm. what we know now about concussions. Right. Uh, it's not uh, what we you know, knew back then. But even back then, he was like, yeah, you know, mess up your brain there, baby. It's not good for you. And too many hits at <laughs> the noggin. It might, you know, it might mess you up real bad, baby. And, you know, so. Um, but like you said, the, the finish came when uh, Flair put the belt, the Cruiserweight title, <laughs> over Hennig's face, kicked it into his with the, face, with the, and got himself disqualified. With the metal out. It's not even, like, facing that his too. face. I was like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, this was all, this is all messed up. But uh, You could have done better with a chair, you know. To, you know, it would have sounded cooler, too. But. I mean, uh, my favorite part, you talked about Dusty. Uh, I have a favorite commentary part where it's like Bobby Heenan is like tr- saying all these glowing things about Kurt Henning. And it's like, why do you, like, shut up, Bobby. Like, why are you, like, and it's funny because they play off their WWF past a lot. So you, you know, like, if, if you're a wrestling fan, you know Bobby Heenan was with Ric Flair, was with Kurt Henning. And, you know, he's, you know, trying to, I don't know, circumvent you know, talking badly about both of them. And it's just so funny to me. And I guess Bobby said something about Kurt Henning, uh, you know, being great or something like that. And Tony says, Albert Bell can hit home runs, but nobody likes him either. <laughs> like, he was so mad. Damn. And, uh, so angry. Yeah. <laughs> People just like Albert Bell. I didn't know that. That was, that was the thing. Oh, he, yeah. He was, he seemed like a jerk on that. I, I just remember him from running over that second baseman when the ground ball came and, you know, he the second baseman went to field it, and Bell just like took him out. <laughs> That's no. all I remember about Albert Bell. Unfortunately, Damn. Uh, I know he was a big power hitter and stuff like that, and with the Indians and the White Sox and stuff. So I did. You know, this is when I was you know big into baseball too. So I knew I, that reference just made me laugh. Uh, but yeah, other than that, it's like, and but I, I will give Tony credit for this. He absolutely freaked out at the end when the referees came out and they were trying to pull flair away from Hennig and they're like, what are they doing? Like, <laughs> you know, why do they do this? They why, let them, let them at him. Cause let you know, him, why let would him you open his ass? Why would you let pull flair away from the guy that, you know, almost ended his career? Like let the NWO deserves it. Like let him go at it. You don't, you guys don't do this when the NWO is messing up WCW guys. Like what the hell's <laughs> going on? Tony was super pissed. And that, Almost made up for how annoying he was the last three matches. Tony was big mad at the NWO on this night. He had it out for all of them. He did. 
It was so funny. I'm like, why did they let him at him? Let him have it. Let him go. Let him fight. It was like, uh, was it making a bad too? Let him fight. No, let them fight. That was that was Tony Schiavone on this night, uh, because Flair was just beating up all the refs. Whoever came in, he was just yeah. knocking them down left and right. And then they finally got a hold of him and you know dragged everybody away. So Tony Schiavone had none of that though. He wanted everybody to get beat up, uh, especially <laughs> Kurt Hennig. Um, transitioning from that though. We go back to the stage again to the internet radio show with Mark Madden, where Macho Man is there and he's talking. Nothing really comes of it, so that's it. Um, <laughs> but we come back out to the arena with Gene Oakland and James J. Dillon, who, of course, was the authority figure of sorts on in WCW at this point. And he is cutting this promo with passion. He is angry. He is fired up, J.J. Dillon was. And he says that... <laughs> WCW had Hulk Hogan's terms about his main event match with, with Piper. They had his terms in writing and notarized, which got me to think. It's like, man, how fast did they get this damn thing notarized? I usually don't have yeah, it right. like date, like within a couple of hours. Like <laughs> somebody's walking around with a notary or something like that in, the, in their luggage. Like, yeah, I guess 1997 WCW was a <laughs> wave of the future. That that was I don't, I don't know that was a that was a quick notary notarization <laughs> if that's a word um, but they had it down in in, uh, in writing Bischoff is mad he doesn't like what JJ Dillon did he's like you don't have to stroke he kept saying you don't have to stroke you don't have to stroke it's like all right we get it you like <laughs> using slang terms back in '97 you know we get it um, but apparently Bischoff said at the end. If Sting shows up, the NWO wants Nitro. They wanted to control Nitro. That turned out to mean really a lot of nothing at the end of the night, I think. Yeah, that was a random placement of that that eventually turned into something months later. But it was like, it was. It seems so weird because there, there wasn't anything that they said. I mean, maybe in passing, but there wasn't anything about NWO taking over Nitro at this point. So he's like, we want Nitro. I was like, what? Shut up. <laughs> That's 12-year-old me. What? Shut up. Shut up, Eric Bischoff. You ain't so tough. <laughs> How'd you know what I you sounded like? Tough. <laughs> hey, man, that's not cool. It's just a, just a wild guess. It's WCW show, man. <laughs> you ain't so tough. Maybe I'll have to meet you, at the, 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 meet you in the schoolyard at the school at the flagpole, man. Put you up for your chocolate milk or something. <laughs> That's like a hybrid between me and Jim Cornette. I, I, know. <laughs> I wanted to finish it off with the Jim Cornette thing, but it's a family show. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> Maybe at the flagpole. Beat you up. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, moving on. We got well, Scott it's funny. It's funny to me, oh. by the way. But why was Bischoff so mad? Like, they gave Hogan everything he wanted, you know? Because they didn't want to do the match. That's why he was so mad. Mm-hmm. He was a coward, you know? Okay. You feel me? I got you. Goddamn, he was a coward. <laughs> didn't want to fight. What's wrong with him? <laughs> <laughs> but moving on. We got Scott Hall going against Lex Luger. We talk about Lex Luger, I think, for six weeks in a row <laughs> on the show. 
this has really become the next Lex Luger show. God, man. What cracks me up. Paul Kogram's always like calling him Flexi Lexi. It's like, dude, you're what like... How did he call him that? I don't remember that a, at all. Yeah, he's like in the middle of a serious promo like going against Lex Luger. And he's like, yeah, you put me against Flexi Lexi and I'm going to beat him up. Yeah, that was just funny. Hulk Hogan thought that was hilarious. Oh, dude, he had the greatest nicknames. And by greatest, Flexi, I mean worst. Flexi Lexi. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is what happens when you let the, the boys do their own creative, I that's, guess. That's why he lost at Road Wild. <laughs> <laughs> Flexi Lexi. Uh, for, there was a special referee for this match. There was. It was Larry Zabisco, the living legend. Larry Zabisco, who is a legend. I mean, he, he had a... Sold out the Shea Stadium with Bruno San Martino back in the day, former AWA champion. He, he was he was a guy. He was in the, the Dangerous Alliance, which was a dope ass group that I don't think gets enough credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dangerous Alliance. Um, yeah, Larry Zabisco. Let's give him his flowers while he's alive to smell them, right? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, why not? I'm just looking up the titles he's won. Uh, not the greatest referee though. I mean, I mean, <laughs> if you go by, <laughs> he was the AWA America's heavyweight champion. What? <laughs> America's heavyweight champion. And he's the world champion, too. Okay. <laughs> but if you go by the usual referee standards, no, he wasn't great. But he called it down the middle for the most part. He told, um, he literally told Six, get out. But then Six never left. And he was like, okay. <laughs> Come on, man. Throw your weight around. He wasn't demonstrative enough. Usually referees do like a whole big thing before they throw him out. Well, he pointed. Point. He pointed. He, he didn't do enough. That's what. Uh, that's why Six didn't take him serious enough. The, the, he didn't do the big gestures and. Well, that's why he. He should have learned from Charles Robinson how to throw people out. That's why he choked the hell out of him. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But before that, we get Lex Luger's entrance, and he's walking out, and he gets just an obscene amount of pyro. <laughs> to the point that Dusty Rhodes is like, hey, can you hear me? Baby, can you hear me, baby? I can't hear nothing, baby. Oh, no, can you hear me? Can you hear me? <laughs> like, was it really that loud? <laughs> all right, Dust. All right, Big Dust. All right, Dream. Baby, I can't hear, I can't hear nothing about this pyro, baby. <laughs> it just reminded me of oh, the... I don't, again, you don't know because you don't watch the Pearl Show. Um, but the older guy like, holla, 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 holla. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? That's what it reminded me of. I think I, you, I, I can't. I, I can't keep making these references, Nick, and you don't know anything about them. <laughs> but you know, I'll, I'm just left hanging here. I'll get. You know what? I'll get. You don't a watch custom. Chappelle show. Well, you is it? Do, what, what else we talked about? Where can earlier? I? Where can I find you it? You didn't do anyone mixtapes. Is, is it streaming? Uh, uh, is, is it on, 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 are they on YouTube? Like, because I did watch it, but it was so long ago. We got to do better. I'm not sure if Chappelle show is streaming. No excuse. You, the, the reruns come on Comedy Central like every well, day. Well, I hate watching TV like reruns. I only watch streaming reruns and uh, like live, live sports or live well, stuff. Make an exception so. for Chappelle Show. Damn uh, you know what? I might. I just might. <laughs> you said it like you don't want to defy it, like in defiance. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. This is how it came out. <laughs> you know what? I will. All right. <laughs> Um, where were we though? We're talking about Larry Sabisco. We're talking about Lex yeah. Luger, Scott Hall. Yeah. Six defying uh, Zabisco's order to go to the back. Yeah, we got that. <laughs> uh he was really yelling at him, that's just one, two, three, three and all <laughs> yeah. that. 
<laughs> a lot of that. <laughs> going crazy. Uh, by this by, is by this a... point, uh, Tony Schiavone had totally forgotten about Hulk Hogan and uh, Sting, be- or Sting, Piper, because uh, J.J. Dilla made everything right. He made everything okay. Thank you, J.J. So Tony, so was, Tony, Tony was Tony okay. Shivani up. Yeah. All right. You can stop talking about it now. Uh, Scott Hall eventually got mad at Larry Zabisco and started shoving him. Larry backdropped him out of the ring. People went crazy. <laughs> eventually, Bischoff comes out. And he starts arguing, arguing with Larry Zabisco, uh, which this is pretty much the beginning of their feud, which also culminated at Starcade, which is like Starcade had a lot of year-long feuds kind of culminate there, which is pretty much the purpose of that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish WWE kind of did the same thing, <laughs> like yeah. with WrestleMania. Yeah, it's like they'd be starting feuds there, they'd be throwing stuff together there. Don't even really like they. But here we are, WCW. They this is two months out from Starcade, and they're just starting that Zabisco Bischoff thing, and carried it all the way until uh, Starcade. Uh, but, you know, they get into it. They're arguing. Uh, eventually, Hall... So what happens? Waltman gets into the ring. <laughs> kicks Lex Luger in the back of the head. Pow! Kicked him right in the back of the head. <laughs> while that, that happened while Larry Zabisco was arguing with Eric Bischoff. Scott Hall hits the razor's edge and demands that Larry Zabisco counts to three. Larry hit one... Two, hesitated for a second. I was like, ah, damn. And then three. Reluctantly <laughs> counted to three. Uh, he did call it down the middle. He did call it down the middle. But then something weird happened. <laughs> then he demanded to look at the replay, which let's, 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 let's pull back here for a second. Because <laughs> instant replay was a thing in the NFL in the 90s. <laughs> it's just like... Why all of a sudden did Larry Zabisco get to use replay? Because the NWO won. And he's like, there had to have been something nefarious going on here. And uh, that's fair. I just always wondered why. And I guess I get why they don't ever do it in wrestling, the instant replay type of thing. I get because heels would never be able to get heat. Right. He would never be able to cheat. <laughs> yeah. Because if they cheated and the referee goes, oh, I saw the replay. You cheated. You disqualified. Mm-hmm. The decision's reversed. The, the heels would never win. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's so kind of how they that. got around it because they would always say the referee's decision is final. So, uh, But then you would have like a second referee come out and show them a replay. I remember on Raw one right. time, Bobby Heenan showed a replay to a referee. Of like I think it was Shawn Michaels at the time, had his foot on the rope or something like that. So, you know, it has happened, but it it's funny when it's like, why doesn't it happen all the time then? Like if it's that easy, like just – do it all the time if you lose by like cheating or whatever you could just tell the ref and it makes the ref look bad if they decide not to check the replay <laughs> they look like jerks right it looks stupid but Larry Zabisco checked the replay on this night and he saw that Sean Waltman six pack whatever you want to call him yeah. jumped in the ring and kicked Lex Luger in the back of the head so they're showing the replay was... <laughs> they're showing the replay and he's like oh no 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 <laughs> Instead of just reversing the decision, I think what would be the normal thing to do, he restarts the match. Yeah. Even though Lex Luger has been kicked in the head. He probably shouldn't <laughs> wrestle anymore. Right? <laughs> right. Restarts the match. Scott Hall is like halfway to the you know backstage, 
He's like, what? He is mad. Eric Bischoff is jumping up and down. He's so angry. He's like throwing a temper tantrum. Yeah. He's angry. They run back to the ring. Scott Hall gets in the ring. And it's all up in Larry Zabisco's face. What What you going to do, Chico? What you going to do, huh? Huh? And then he shoves Larry Zabisco. Larry Zabisco shoves him right into the torture rack from Lex Luger. And he immediately gives up right then and there. <laughs> you get well, that torture rack, I mean, does he? Over. Does he? Because... Zabisco didn't even look at him. He Luger got him in the rock, and then he just like call for the bell, ring the bell. He's <laughs> like, man, are you are you like screwing Scott Hall here? Like, come on. <laughs> well, maybe I don't know, but sometimes I mean, a lot of times you see they just in the torture rack, and the referee just calls for the bell. Yeah. Nobody really yeah. taps out. Let's or... See, the way Luger won the title on that Nitro a few months prior to this with Randy Anderson. He's like asking Hogan, and then he gra- he puts both hands on his head, like, "Oh my God, he gave up!" And then he turns to the camera and like goes, "Ring the bell." That's what I need, Larry. Come on, Larry, you got to be Randy Anderson here. Gotta be like, "Oh my God, he gave up!" <laughs> Ring the bell. You can't just they say. They call Larry Zabisco the living legend for his referee skills. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, it just made me laugh he was... because he doesn't even know where he's looking. Like, is he even pointing at the the ring? bell area like he's just like looking up and ring the bell because he's waiting for a kick to the back of the head so he just wow. looks kind of corny but he's no disrespect no disrespect ref- to the living legend he's not a legendary referee no one ever accused him of being a legendary referee okay <laughs> either way the match is over Lex Luger has won but the fight continues because now Larry Zabisco is fighting people from the NWO but they get the upper hand, and Bischoff karate kicks this man right in the head. Pow! Hiya! Kicked him right in the head. Bischoff is a karate guy. Like he's done martial arts yeah. back in the day. So yep. he he's legit. So don't just run up on Eric Bischoff, you know, with the hands. You might you might you know you might get trashed out here in these streets uh, <laughs> by Eric Bischoff. Uh, don't 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 sleep on his hands and his feet, by the way. Uh, but once he kicks Larry Zabisco, then he then. Puts his foot on his chest as Scott Hall counts to three. And you know that was going to be used in the pack in the video package at some point in the future to set up that Starcade match. Yeah. And that's into that. There was a lot going on there. There was a lot. And this is apparently where Six uh, injured his neck and he was out for a while before WCW fired him. And I couldn't really pinpoint. It didn't look like Zabisco like, wrenched his neck hard. I don't know, and his selling was great. I don't like, and then I look back and I'm like, was he selling? Like, was he hurt that bad? But it looked to me like he was selling. So I don't know if it was a prior injury that happened and that exacerbated it or what. But it just didn't look like that. Everyone points to that moment of where Six's neck injury happened, uh, but you know he wasn't wrestling to, on this night, so it's possible that he was already suffering from some kind of injury. So. Uh, yeah, it, t- I just look back at it. And I'm like, I don't think Larry Zabisco's, you know, choke sleeper like that did the damage. But I could be wrong. But you've been oh, wrong before, Nick. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe once or twice. Maybe once or twice. I'm gonna edit that out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, after this match, we get a very apocalyptic. T- promo for World War Three, which we talked about earlier. We're going to probably deep dive into that in the future. But this post-apocalyptic promo just felt a little too real compared to today. When we <laughs> talk about today and the things we're going through in these days and times. 
Mm-hmm. Like, we're almost in the verge of World War Three now. <laughs> like, so, uh, they, there's that. Um, but we get to a now the semi main event between Macho Man Randy Savage and Diamond Dallas Page, and what they called <laughs> a Las Vegas sudden death match. Now you might ask. What the hell is a Las Vegas sudden death match? Well, <laughs> let me explain. You know, it's it's unique. It's very unique. Let me let me tell you. Uh, there are no rules. Uh, you can't win by pin or submission. You can only win uh, by rendering your opponent, you know, incapacitated to the point that he cannot answer a ten count. Like I said, very very unique, right? Hmm. Wait, no. That sounds oh, familiar. Get, getting word that. Getting word from the desk here that oh no that's the last man standing match oh oh sorry so it's not that unique uh, I don't know if WWF had done last man standing matches to this point but honestly this is one of the Nick, first I do remember right so that's that's a fair thing because we got to be fair we got to say that but sudden death there's not much sudden about a ten count though <laughs> that's not <laughs> yeah really sudden. When I think sudden death, I think like an instant, like this thing is over. Like sudden death overtime, you hit, right. you score a touchdown, game's over. And look, Nick, don't mention any overtimes right now. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to talk about it. But I'm with you. <laughs> uh, but like hockey, sudden death, you score that goal in that instant, it's over. This you had to wait ten seconds. <laughs> like that's not sudden. <laughs> no. So I don't. There's no, there's no sudden or deadly about this match, but here we are. It's a last man standing match. DDP, Macho Man. Macho Man came out, as we mentioned earlier, in his Slim Jim fit uh, with the yellow lightning and all that. Uh, again, taking care of the people that took care of him. Yeah, you you cut the bad, check, a, I'm repping the set. That's a badass fit. It was. Like I said, you cutting the check, I'm repping the set. That's how, that's how that was Macho Man's motto. That's my motto. Be Macho Man. That's what I'm saying to you. Um, Did you uh, notice the Hulk Hogan wrestling buddy in the crowd? I did notice that. I thought that was hilarious. It was literally a WWF Hulk Hogan wrestling buddy dressed, uh, markered up or whatever and all NWO stuff, and it just made me laugh. That's really funny. Yeah. WCW just like, we're not going to sell these. Nope. <laughs> nah, I, I like, uh, he, were, they were selling them, though. It's funny, like, they had a Hulk Hogan one. They had I even had a DDP one. It was like they had oh, a, a, okay. pack, a pack in them that they would make noise if you like crunch their nose or elbow or foot or whatever. And I had a DDP one, but I'm sure they had to have Hogan uh, back then. But <laughs> this specific wrestling buddy was not the one WCW was selling. It was literally the old school WWF one, just colored and like marker with NWO stuff. And you could see the beard. It was like... They just scribbled, you know, circles all around. <laughs> it just made me laugh. I mean, you got you got to do it quickly. Yep. Uh, <laughs> out comes DDP with his ribs taped up. Yeah. And I always wondered, because DDP's ribs were taped up, but they had a pad taped to them. So at least it's like, okay, that makes sense. But like, I feel like at WWF later on, they would just tape on people's ribs and say, "Oh, he he, he taped his ribs up." It's like, what does that actually do for your ribs? Like this is like, 
this this little tape you put on my ribs or whatever, that ain't gonna hold them together. At least the pad can soften a blow or two, but like, what the right. hell does this this tape do? This does nothing. <laughs> I always no found clue. that interesting. I have no clue. I've never dealt with that in real life, and I hope to never deal with that in real life. Uh, but that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, it's just I don't think you will have to worry about that in real life. At least as far as like tape on your ribs. So. I just hope I don't get in a fight and they hit, they break my ribs. That's fair. That's that's very fair. Um, <laughs> DDP was in a fight <laughs> with Randy Savage, obviously, and they fought into the stands, the rubber match, all over the arena of the year, including into the flock. Yes. How about that? While they were in the stands, though, they fought. Around a bunch of fans, including one who just tore off his shirt right then and there. Like, <laughs> like, no one asked you to do this. No one asked you to take your shirt off. What you doing here? What's this all about? But nope, this fan, he was hot apparently and tore it right off. So I found that odd. Uh, did you notice this guy? I did not. I must have missed that. How? He's like right behind him. <laughs> Maybe I was writing a note down. And he's like, clearly this man has had like good beverages, six or seven beers. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And he just tears his shirt right off. Like he's about to fight somebody. It's like, bro, you need to sit down somewhere. Big big fella. You need to sit down before, you get, before we get hurt out here. Hey, man, WCW started that whole movement of throwing stuff in the crowd and like people coming out of the woodwork to try and interfere. So uh, maybe... You know, he was just happy that they came to him this time. He didn't have to run into the ring. Maybe he's one of those uh, people. Uh, good for him. <laughs> but it looked weird. It looked oh, weird. Of um, take it off your shirt. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> just randomly? No matter where you are. Even, even actually in shape? You're down the beach, you take off your shirt, that's weird. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So that fan tears off his shirt. And then they fight into the headstones. That this is stage. this is this is the best part of the match. This is the best part of the match. This is where the good stuff is starting to happen here, right? Because they fight into the headstones, <laughs> and then I think Bobby Heenan asks, "What do you want in your tombstone?" Which is a reference, of course, to the pizza that you you see the commercials yes. for all the time—the frozen pizza. Yep. Remember the tombstone pizza? I do. I do. I remember that actually. I don't remember eating Tombstone Pizza, but I do remember seeing the commercials yeah, all the time. Yeah, the ads were were hilarious. Right, what do you want in your Tombstone? I want pepperoni, sausage, mushrooms, <laughs> anchovies. I'm like, what? <laughs> 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 right? Then, in the midst of all this chaos, DDP hits Savage over the head with something. I don't know what it was, but it shattered into uh, yeah. dozens of pieces. But... No one was happier to see this than Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> My God, Dusty Rhodes. Big Dust. He had himself a night. Man, when he saw this happen and Randy Savage wobbled over and fell out somewhere, <laughs> Dusty Rhodes, was, he wobble-legged him. Whoa, he wobble-legged him. Whoa, do you see that? You see that, Tony? You see that brain? He wobble-legged him. <laughs> I had to turn on the captions because I couldn't understand what he was saying. I understood. Wobble legged him. <laughs> I I thought that's what he said, but I just wanted to make sure. And you know, my hearing is not the greatest, so 
I turned on the caption. The caption was actually weird a little bit, but you know, it, it said he wobbled like him, and I was like, all right, that's exactly what I heard. And he he called it a waitress tray. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what this was. It just shattered. Like it was just gone. <laughs> it was no more. And Dusty Rhodes, man, he he was he is look. Dusty Rhodes is fantastic as an announcer. I don't like. Yeah. As, he's great as a wrestler, great as a promo guy, great as an announcer. He just made stuff way better. Like he just made it better. <laughs> that spot was cool, but it was way better because Dusty just reacted. Yeah. Like that's all he had to do. Whoa, he wobble legged him. <laughs> <laughs> he wobble legged him. I think it, that's really he funny. he didn't just um, say it once though. It was like he repeated himself like two or three times and that that's yeah. what made it for me. It, like cuz it was like he but that's the thing about Dusty. His reactions felt so genuine. It didn't yes. feel like it was part yes. of the show. Right. It felt like a, a casual observer watching pro wrestling for like a third time in their lives. <laughs> but yet Dusty Rose was, a, a, you know, obviously a veteran, a legend in the game, knew exactly what was going on. But he somehow still brought the approach of the n- normal person to his reactions. It yeah. sounded very genuine. Like how anybody who probably doesn't watch wrestling that often because you know people like us we're like oh that was a that's a great spot no yeah. that's great technique with somebody else is like whoa look at that like yeah that was dusty Rhodes, and it was great so yeah that's a great that analogy was, that's a great analogy thank you sir I, I try to come up with them sometimes you know i work on them <laughs> um at one point they get back into the ring and savage grabs a camera from a cameraman <laughs> And try to hit DDP with it. <laughs> DDP blocked it. I said he tried now, to pull a Sid. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's messed up. Sid what? wasn't even in WCW at this point. I know, but you know, the year prior he hit Shawn Michaels with a TV camera twice. Oh so, yeah, I, I was yeah. thinking of the top the fact it came off the top rope. Oh uh, no, no. <laughs> I'm not that much of a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> like damn, he broke his leg. No, well, okay, I'm surprised he didn't. You. Honestly, in the main event, I'm surprised. But no, uh, oh, we're going to talk about that because yeah. that was nuts. Yeah, and uh, that was nuts. He and it, it just reminded me so much of that Sid thing. At not only Survivor Series but the Royal Rumble too, and it just made me laugh. <laughs> just, like hit people with cameras. <laughs> yeah, but Shivani mentioned that that camera was about a hundred thousand dollars, and <laughs> I know for some people that may sound like unbelievable, like a hundred grand. Those cameras be really expensive. All right, like, let me tell you, we got some cameras at the Eagles uh, that, like, you know, you get those great cinematic shots that we get, and yeah. those cameras are at least in the five figures. Those cameras are thousands of dollars. <laughs> like, I don't even like to touch those cameras if I don't have to, because it's like, I'm not going to be responsible for this potentially $10,000 camera getting broken. So, one of y'all <laughs> camera guys get this camera. I don't want to have to pack this up. I'll get the tripod. <laughs> and even the tripod is expensive. And super heavy because it got to hold up these big heavy cameras. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, those great shots that we get sometimes, the cinematic shots and all that. You know, and our cinematographers do a really good job of what they do, but they using they're using very expensive cameras. I don't know if it's a hundred grand expensive, but very expensive nonetheless. Um, at one point, Miss Elizabeth gets it's probably as physical I've ever seen her get yeah. as far as a Macho Man match. I know, I mean, she has got she fought Sherry before and stuff like that. But, like, she really got involved to help Macho Man when she grabbed one of those old plastic trays I'm pretty sure my mom had back in the late 90s. <laughs> um, and she just clocked the referee with this damn thing. I mean, unnecessarily. <laughs> I mean, she 
clocked as this thing broke, like, and he was like reacting to something, and he just—I think he legit passed out. Like, no, dude, this cell job cracked me up. He's just like stood there, and then to his knees, and then he was down. Uh, why not just go after DDP then? Like, there's no DQ. Why, why are you going after the ref? Like, that's damn. literally what I wrote. It's like, does she have to hit the ref to <laughs> choke DDP? Like, there was no rules, right? Like, why does uh, that? Why poor- is that put into the match? Like, if you're the booker. Why is that a spot when there's no rule? She doesn't have to knock out the referee. Yeah, that she could have choked him as soon as the bell rang. Yeah, and because Nick Patrick comes in and he doesn't really, there, he doesn't have a role in it, so it it didn't make sense for that spot to happen because if at least if another ref came in and then they were involved somehow, that would you'd be like, oh, okay, the other ref is involved somehow, but that's not what happened. So I was completely confused and baffled by this whole thing uh until kimberly came out but it took them forever to get to the bag it was i don't know if liz knew like what was coming because it seemed like it took forever for this uh for this to end well well it's funny because before that even like i said elizabeth is choking ddp with like one of the cables a camera cable but dusty being old school called it an extension cord <laughs> she got him with it he got him with an extension cord oh she's choking him out with an extension cord baby man like, that's, that's what i, cord, I still Dusty. call him i still call him <laughs> but it's, but like it's funny wire. because that's not yes that's not what it was not at all it's plugged into a camera <laughs> it's just a cable <laughs> it's no wire it's not an extension and not here, an extension here i am cord. thinking of like power cores now people call them or power strips or whatever i still call them extension cords but it just makes me laugh but it's not but the power strip that's different thing that's like the surge protector the multi-outlet thing that's different extension cord is literally you extend your wires that's something different (laughs) nick what are you talking about (laughs) listen i'm old school too me and dusty we go way back (laughs) okay (laughs) you still get the switch from out in the yard when when it's time to get disciplined like get you on switch too like yeah yeah, had to mow the lawn or else. Okay, okay. And I had to use scissors. <laughs> Couldn't even use a mower. Oh, you walk up, you walk uphill to school both ways. <laughs> That's right, barefoot. Twenty miles in the snow, both even, ways uphill. Yeah, even on uh, the weekends. I, they never <laughs> told me what they never told me what day it was. Back in my day, went to school every day of the week, twice on Sunday. <laughs> All right, but eventually, DDP's woman Kimberly comes out, defends her man, fights off Elizabeth while Dusty Rose yells, "Cat fight! Cat fight! Cat fight!" <laughs> He's just having a ball this yeah, show, Dusty yeah. Rose. He was on another one, man. He but was. eventually, like you said, Kimberly drags Elizabeth backstage. At this point, I wrote, "This match was actually pretty dope. It was doing a mm-hmm. lot going on here. The fan, the most important thing is that the fans were into it." Yeah. Which we will see with the main event was not the case, <laughs> but with this match, the fans were well, into one, it. at least one fan was into the main event. Oh, we'll get into that. <laughs> I don't know what the hell was going on there, but with this, the fans were into it. Everybody was over. You know, it wasn't a technical masterpiece. It didn't have to be. The fans were into it, and they were, they were invested in the outcome. Then a, a fake Sting shows up, and it's like now I'm lost, <laughs> and hits yeah. DDP with the bat. DDP cannot answer the temp count because he hit him with the bat in his ribs, which, of course, were taped up, padded up. They were injured. DDP loses. Savage wins. Another win for the 
New World Order. But after the match, Randy Savage knocks the hell out of the referee. He like yeah. cocks his fist back for like ten minutes straight. Like he just looking, looking, and looking, and still looking, and then finally, bam, and just hits the ref for no reason. Damn. <laughs> then he kicks DDP for good measure. Then DDP gets strapped onto the stretcher. Guess what? Savage comes back again yeah. and attacks DDP again. But he and just throws like a couple punches and then walks away. It's not even like a big thing like we see nowadays with, oh, he threw him off the stretcher or something. Like he just attacked him on the stretcher and then walked away. A couple punches in. He did. And that was it. I think we've been trained to see these long beatdowns from guys. Yeah. It was like that didn't happen back in the day. Guys yeah. didn't get beat up for like 10 minutes straight by the yeah. heels. It was yeah. get a couple punches in, baby faces come down and save them. Or somebody stops the baby, somebody stops the heel in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Like, not just getting beat up for 20 minutes while Michael Cole goes, Oh my God, <laughs> this is horrible. Did you see that? What, what a tragedy. You know, so. <laughs> Uh, things were hectic back in the day. It was friends. It was a sense of urgency. Like, yeah, this person might die if somebody doesn't help him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and DDP looked like he was on the verge of death. He was all strapped down to this, this stretcher, and ribs is hurting, and coughing, and stuff. It was crazy. So, there was a lot going on. Yeah, my uh, one of my favorite parts about this match was when Hogan came out dressed as Sting, and was as soon as he hits, huh? Was that really? They said it was Hogan. Yeah, was that they, really him? Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know. But as soon as <laughs> as soon as uh, you know he hits Sting, uh, as soon as he hits DDP with the bat, <laughs> Tony Schiavone goes, "Oh, you can't fool me!" And it's funny because every single other time they're fooled uh, by Sting. The very next month, they're going to be fooled by a seven foot Sting. Who uh, the very over. next match they were fooled by the first Sting. <laughs> That's true. Well, there he is. <laughs> He's coming to the ring now. Oh, my God. I, yeah, that's true. And I even wrote that down. But, you know, since we talked about World War Three earlier, that was on my mind. But, you know, he has Kevin Nash is in a sting mask, literally, like, hair down to his shoulder, like, past his shoulders, uh, not even dark. And then, because, you know, his hair is turning into blonde or whatever. And then he steps over the rope, and they're still, like, they're not sure that it's not sting. But here, you know, DDP gets hit in the ribs with a bat. It's like, oh, you can't fool me. <laughs> I saw his bad. boots. Like, how the hell did you see his boots? He was on the other side of the ring. <laughs> he was watching him walk out. <laughs> well, how'd you know he was coming I saw, out? <laughs> I saw his boots. It's clearly Hogan's boots. Which, if you're Hulk Hogan, stupid ass, wear a different <laughs> pair of boots. With your stupid ass. Uh, but What's I guess the point of concealing uh, your face if you're just going to be Hulk Hogan anyway. Like the, the match didn't have any rules. I guess because DDP was facing he wanted DDP to think Sting was turning on him. There you go. I just oh, okay. I made it make sense. I did, did a better job than they did. Stupid ass Hulk Hogan. We're flip flops or something next time. <laughs> They'll come out with the boots that have your face on them when you're trying to. You know, conceal your identity. <laughs> Stupid ass. Especially when you're in the main event. Exactly. The very next match, which we're going to talk about right now. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, main event, Steel Cage, all title, not on the line. That's strange. Hey, it's you know, the Piper, second match that they've had without the title on the line. Interesting. Strange. Wonder who Even will Piper, win. Piper is in possession of the world title. 
Yeah, what did he steal it? I totally it forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember that at all. I guess he stole but, it on a nitro or something. Here's my. <laughs> Here we go again with the obscenely expensive Michael Buffer during the ring announcement. <laughs> WTW. We got to ask Eric Bischoff at some point. We might at some point, too. You never know. <laughs> we got to ask him, though. Why did they always use Michael Buffer all the time? I got to ask him how much he cost back in 1997 because <laughs> he's dumb expensive. They just used him in August for a clash of the champions. Now, here he is again. And at, Star- at, at, at Halloween every, Havoc. Every main event. Didn't, he was pro- wasn't he at Starcade too? Yeah, he used his Fall Brawl. He was at Road Wild. Why? He's yeah. hella expensive. Yeah, he, he was built into the budget. He must have been. I'm sure. <laughs> he said every main event, he was there. And I guess, like, I don't know, he's there to add the big fight feel, but, like, you can't do it every month. He's a he's a special occasion, to me at least, special occasion guy, like, for Starcade. Well, this, was this not a special occasion, though? I guess in their minds it was. Yeah, but Halloween do Havoc, another right? one. You're going to do another one two months later. He was probably at World War Three. Probably. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure, actually, because... You know, Hogan was like a mystery entrant in the Battle Royal. He waited till the very end, and I think uh, he introduced him. But yeah, it's a match you've never seen before. You'll probably never see again until next year. <laughs> it is going to be the end of the world because <laughs> this is World War Three. <laughs> it's funny that they Let's... they should have just went like World War Three and then went up like World War Four, World War Five, but they just kept it World War Three. <laughs> it was always World War Three. <laughs> yeah. Every time. <laughs> World War Four, World War Five. That makes sense, actually. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't do it like that. Because the first it's one probably, was in 95. They probably shouldn't have numbered it at all. Just say yeah, World the, War. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean... You de- World War twenty, World War 98, World War 99, if you're going to do that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's cool. I, I would dig that. Yeah. So back to this match, by the way. <laughs> We got the strangest cage I've ever seen. Uh, you called it strange, huh? I called it strange because it wasn't. It's was like a mixture between a hell and a cell, which we just saw earlier mm. in the month, without a roof. Yeah, a, the blue bar cage, but it wasn't blue. It was like this weird, like metal. Or something. Like I don't know silver, what this cage is. Kind of right. Just silver, I don't know what right? this cage is made out of. It oh, just yeah, looked flimsy. Yeah. Oh man, it looked weird. The even the blue the, the blue bar cage it, the squares were smaller like this these squares were huge so it's like you know we actually obviously saw them climb it but I was like did they need to be like that big like you could probably swim through there fit a body through those squares like it was like <laughs> just body. weird fit a body and I thought it was hilarious because once Hogan and Piper came out Hogan was trying to escape like already it's like what like come on dude right away and uh, to escape. but. Yeah, my first impression of the cage was, you know, obviously Hell in a Cell ripoff. Uh, we had never seen this cage in WCW before. Maybe it, uh, you know, played a role in like the the double decker cage or whatever. But I still think that was just regular chain link fencing. Yeah, but, they had the double uh, decker and the triple cage, and, yeah. the, and the, what was the one that uncensored that one year? I forget what yeah, it even was. Even the but... Chamber of Horrors, I don't think was like a cage. No, like it's l- slightly different. So, but they, yeah. 
Like I don't I didn't understand weird. this cage at all. I've, I've never seen this one before. Yeah, I get it. For they had one cool aerial view of it though. <laughs> Maybe they just looked at the looked at the camera through that one aerial view. It was like, yeah, this looks cool. <laughs> but that was it. There was Let's one. There was one aerial view. Uh, that made the cage look cool is when they both were climbing, or at least yeah, Logan was climbing. But uh, I recall yeah, that. Yeah, this this is just weird, you know. Like I, I as soon as I saw it, because I'm going into it thinking the cage is going to surround the ring. It's going to be the chain link. Hogan Piper in a cage that should be good. Twelve year old me, haha, <laughs> silly Mark. And then I saw this cage, and I was just kind of put off by it. So really, nothing <laughs> that happened. I don't even care that Piper won. I just. From the beginning, I was kind of out on it. Yeah, it was it was strange. And then Piper comes out. He's got these strange lightning effects during his during his entrance, <laughs> <laughs> lightning cackling in the background while Michael Buffer is talking and Roddy Piper's coming to the ring. There's, there's nothing. Why? Why do they have the lightning stuff during the entrance? I don't know. Um, yeah, this match just it just again another example of. The main events in WCW not quite living up to the hype. The undercard, though, a lot of fun. Macho Man, Sav, uh, and, and DDP was great. Uh, Flair, Hennig had his moments. You had, the, of course, the Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero match. Um, but this was just like... You don't WCW, like... Y'all should be yeah. beyond these old guys doing this main event. Like, I got all this talent underneath these guys. Yeah. And then these main event guys are like, yeah, they're big names. Don't get me wrong. They deserve, you know, all the accolades. But it's like, they're just not, they're not delivering here. Like, this isn't, when you got other guys underneath them who the fans are into. Something like these fans aren't into the Guerreros and the Mysterios right. and the Jerichos. And even the DDPs, who they eventually, you know, made a champion. But you got these guys, man, like, it's like Piper and Hogan. And the fans just wasn't buying a lot of this at all. I think they might have been put off by the fact that uh, when Hogan was trying to scale the scale the cage, Roddy Piper bit him straight on the ass. Yeah, he <laughs> did. And, and then he bit him, bit him in his back. Back, yeah. Like, what like, the hell? Who, Rod, who? Uh, Roddy, they didn't have catering back there. You hungry? <laughs> you hungry? <laughs> Out here eating the booty like groceries? What's wrong I with him? I am so angry. You, hu- you hungry? <laughs> <laughs> eating the cow, baby. Oh, I here just, it goes. Yeah, that was that was odd. But yeah, that's the the biggest thing I took out of this. It's like, dude, he bit him right on the ass. I completely forgot about that. Right, right on his sweaty, stanky ass. <laughs> He's savage, Roddy Piper. Rest in peace, Roddy Piper. But he was a savage boy. Yeah. But um, <laughs> this match was like pretty much weird from the jump because they both escaped the cage right away. It was like boom, oh they're out. God, and this is one of the only, I guess. There were never escape the cage rules in WCW, so now all of a sudden there is. And really, Hogan was pushed out by Piper, so Hogan should have won because right. Piper was behind him. But and they said clearly it didn't this happen. match, if, if he gets out, the match is over. Yeah. I don't know why they so, added that. Um, the referee was on the outside, so it wasn't even like pinfalls mattered until Hogan called him in the ring to count a pin. <laughs> Which, by the way, Piper kicked out of two leg drops. Like, Yeah, that's crazy. It, I was stunned. Everything about this match, up, even through the end, was just like mind-boggling. It was bizarre, and again, it's like it just felt odd and out of place with WCW 
and even in 1997, they keep, but they, they, that's what they did. They kept this rivalry going for over a year. Meanwhile, you got, <laughs> I mean, I know they had to do something between, you know, then and Starcade for you know, to get Sting into that spot. <laughs> but like, you had Luger, you had there's other people. They could have had a Luger for you going for a while. Yeah, and I guess they did, but like, it just wasn't yeah. something. Just wasn't coagulating with this man. It just wasn't working right. It just wasn't clicking for me from a from a, a an excitement an angle standpoint from a story standpoint nor mm-hmm. obviously the end ring i just wasn't right. feeling it yeah and uh if you want to talk about when the stings started showing up so one of my favorite parts of the match was when the first thing was already out there in the aisle way and a second sting comes out and stands right next to him and then you hear dusty dusty roads go stings galore and i'm just sitting there i'm like oh wow like two of them and there's like so many and but Dusty was like into it and it just made me laugh and it was like a Dusty thing I, I don't know how many people really like paid attention to it but I wrote it in my notes I'm like that's hilarious like Sting's Galore when the second one comes out yeah I'm pretty sure Galore means more than two yeah <laughs> so I mean eventually there would be Galore but maybe he overstepped his uh his bounds a little bit and was giving away some some of the future action but uh, just made me laugh. It's like there's two right there. Stig- what do you mean, Stig's galore? <laughs> oh, Dusty. Dusty's the best. He's the best. Yes. So <laughs> we got stings. <laughs> Fake sting comes out, and we got multiple stings. But I thought the whole purpose of Hogan wrestling. He wanted. He wrestled because he didn't want Sting in the building. Yeah. Now there's a bunch of fake ones. So I guess nobody was like, that's clearly that the real one. So, whatever. Yeah, maybe that was part of his plan because he had a Sting army and Sting couldn't do anything about it. I'm just, what the hell was the point of the fake Stings? But they, what was the yeah, point of his never, stipulation? They never like kind of explained why it would benefit Hogan from all these fake Stings coming out because uh, they were going after him. It wasn't like they were attacking Piper or anything. They were like going after him, and then. I don't know. Did- it was just weird. I was lost. Yeah, I was lost. It made it made no sense in the grand scheme of anything. You know, it wasn't like they weren't even like, "Oh, Sting is sending all these other things." Like even that would have been it would have been terrible, uh, but it would have made sense in terms of the story. Uh, this had no sense at all. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't understand this whatsoever. Um, I, I even put it at this point: this match isn't very good. <laughs> like, <laughs> and the fans don't care. About mm-hmm. it either, like they just didn't. Well, all the stuff that they're doing, you got all the people involved, like Hogan, uh, Piper, and eventually Randy Savage, who we'll talk about in a second. All these big names, and including Fake Stings, they just they just didn't care about this. Mm-hmm. Not that at all. So you can't even justify this match with, but the crowd was into it. No, it just wasn't, just wasn't popping. It just wasn't happening. Uh, but Randy Savage. Mm-hmm. Our boy Randy Savage, Macho Man Randy Savage. Rest in peace to Randy Savage. Rest in peace to my favorite wrestler, one of my favorite wrestlers ever. He should be. Yeah, he's another one of those that are among the greatest of all time. One hundred percent. Has to be. Great heel, great actually, great babyface. Yeah, too, that's by that's the way. that's a good point. Like he was great He's at up both. There. Yeah. Um, 
But he wasn't great in this night for some reason with this next thing. Comes out. In this cage, as bizarre as it is, it's high. That's why I compared it yeah. to the Hell in a Cell. Yeah. It's a tall-ass cage. This isn't like some you know, BS cage. This is a big no. boy. Yeah. He scales to the top of this cage, which, mind you, is not surrounded. It's, it's surrounded the ring. It's off the ring apron, so it's even further than normal. But he's like 25 feet in the air. <sighs> Man. He jumps, and it's like standing. I'm like, I'm watching this. I'm like, oh, oh, he's gonna jump. Oh, don't do it. Oh, please don't do it. There's only two people down there. They can't even catch you. Don't do it. Oh no. And then he jumped, and, and he's supposed to axe. He's supposed to axe handle. I guess Piper. He missed. He hit Hogan. But I'm like, holy hell, that was high. Like, you, yeah. what the hell? Yeah, and he just barely cleared the turnbuckles. Thank God. Because uh, oh, this, man. you know, clearly, obviously, the cage is on the outside. He had a jump uh, w- with some force, and that we saw the top of that cage. It was moving pr- pretty easily. So he did the best job he could possibly do. He should not have not done that spot at all, obviously. And I'm pretty sure I read uh, that this was the beginning of his knee problems. We'll see in 1998, he had that knee brace and a lot of knee problems on that right knee. Uh, and this could have been the catalyst for that. And just for like a throwaway type spot in a pay per view uh, that nobody remembers, because I don't, I don't even remember that until I watched this back. So I, I just it wasn't necessary. But hell, if he didn't get back up and continue doing what he was doing, I can't imagine what he must have been feeling. Because like you, you said earlier, those WCW mats, you know, they weren't, they seemed harder than the WWF ones. Now maybe that's because the, the WWF WCW ones rings were, the were real hard ones. By the way, the well, WWF that, ones were really hard, especially in the mid nineties. Yeah, and WCWs didn't look any softer, and their ring was smaller. So for me, it would lend some believability that maybe those landings were harder as well. So I mean, he as soon as he landed, he just fell right over, but he he got back up. Kudos to him, and uh, finished. Out that pay per view, which was kind of hilarious. <laughs> well, after all of that, at the Savage damn near broke his leg jumping off the top of the cage. Piper gets Hogan in a sleeper hold and wins. But right after <laughs> he won, he lost. <laughs> Dude, because... Randy Henderson, <laughs> as soon as Hogan's arm fall, drops for the three, he goes, Hey! And then he rings the bell. <laughs> <laughs> what? Whoa! <laughs> oh, Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> he screams, "Hey!" and then rings the bell. Oh, classic. But what wasn't classic is what happened after this match. <laughs> I don't know what the hell is going on. So they alone. start beating up Piper. They got him handcuffed. He's crucified. He's getting his ass whooped. He doesn't know where he is. Meanwhile, the fake stings come down, and they're in the ring somehow. They're in a cage. You got a fake sting in there. Then you get a fan with a sting mask who somehow... No, that's face paint. Face paint, whatever. <laughs> somehow gets into the bottom of the of the arena, climbs a cage, gets in said cage. He's been in the crowd all night. I've seen, I saw him earlier. So he was there all night. What the hell was this? He's a fan. Security gra- gripped him up and like, Savage and Hogan was like trying to beat him up and yeah. put him in. 
What? That's a real fan? <laughs> According to Eric Bischoff on that 83 weeks, weeks podcast, there was a shoot where that fan came up and climbed up the cage or whatever. The, the camera was right there. They were ready to shoot that right away because they had the fan jumping over the railing like right away. So I, that's that, why I'm that, like ex- confused about it. How do you shoot but, that if you don't know what's going to happen? Exactly. And... Uh, but maybe they saw him. Maybe he was yelling something like he's gonna jump in there. So maybe they just started shooting it. We weren't he's... at the we weren't at the point where the cameras immediately turn away from a streaker. I guess I we weren't guess, at that I point guess, yet. Uh, I, I I mean we were because it happened in '97, all the way like all year. But uh, this one felt weird because Bischoff said it was a shoot that turned into a work because he wanted Hogan and Sa- Hogan and Savage wanted to kind of like make a point or like have fun with it a little bit. It's like, what? Like this fake sting that his mask came off, his wig came off. He's holding them like against the cage, you know, right. like, and then, you know, Randy Savage, Randy Savage, Randy Anderson is grabbing his leg. Security's like grabbing him. But yeah, I have no clue. What, what the hell that was. It, it, it looked re- real enough when it started to like a complete work at the end. I don't know. It was just very weird. What it was, Real or fake, it was a mess. <laughs> it was just a mess. <laughs> to say bro. the least. What the hell? And this is I guess this is just WCW. They would they bungled this finish with a spite a whole bunch of hype. And two months later, yep. they bungled another one at Starcade. Mm. And then a year later, they bungled another one at Starcade. And it was like that's literally those three probably these three finishes is what put WCW down. Yeah. Like <laughs> in the ratings, you know, it's just like what the hell? Like y'all, y'all get me. Y'all got me every step of the way. It's bad. Hit every note right, and at the end you just go ba-ding on the guitar, and it's like, bro, you messed it all up. It's bad. Like you messed it all up. Now, I know Piper was gone for a while after this, but um, even just the way to write him off for a little bit, it just was weird. Very and why weird. make him win? But because he wouldn't do the job for Hogan. Like I, I don't know. Like <laughs> don't know. It's just. It was too much. It was too much. This Way match too was. Much. This match sucked. <laughs> like honestly, <laughs> this match stunk. I did, I didn't understand it. It just and the finish just made it even worse. Like <laughs> even Dusty Rhodes, when the fan starts climbing up the cage, he goes yes, yes. Like what are you saying yes to, Dusty? Like what's going on? <laughs> they could have salvaged this match with a hot finish, and it just was the yeah. bizarre one. Yeah, I just didn't understand it. Maybe a sting had showed up that would have. You know, sent the crowd crazy and right. go off the air with a crazy finish. None of that. Yeah, why, why not have him come come down into the ring from the rafters and then have Hogan and Savage leave the cage? You know, at least that would have given us something. But, right, they didn't have to get physical. Just have him show up on this show. Yeah. Jeez, they were, they were screaming his name when he wasn't even there. We want Sting. Yeah. We yeah. want Sting. Like, so and then I that's why know, the fan went up. He was like, I'm Sting. I guess, but he got I, stung. Wow, you thought of that all by yourself, huh? I did, I did. Good, good for you. Lay up. It is. It, <laughs> it is night one of the NBA finals, so that's, that's fair. You dunked that one. That wasn't a layup. That was a oh, dunk. Thank you. You dunked through that down with authority. Um, with my elbow through the hoop. Ooh, like Vince Carter. That's right. Okay, okay. You got hops. You got bunnies. That's right. Um, but that's Halloween Havoc, nineteen ninety-seven. Started uh, out good, and then just went right downhill. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's, still a pretty that's good pay per view overall. Overall, yes. Uh, it's like 
they made up for it a little bit next year with the uh, main event. Well, not really the main event, but the Goldberg DDP match. Again, yeah. another match with the undercard was the better match. But on this night, uh, overall was a good show, but it ended in a very strange way. Yeah. Uh, any closing thoughts before we wrap it up here for episode 254, Sir Picone? No, I think, uh, you know, pretty good pay-per-view. I enjoyed watching it back. 97 WCW, still a, a GOAT era in, in my view. And I will love any deep dive on, on this era. So I look forward to doing more in the future. Uh, all right. We, we probably will in the future. Uh, Sweet. But in the meantime, Nick, take us out with some plugs, please. You can follow me at Nick Picone on Twitter. Follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Shooters Radio. You can listen to this podcast at PhillyInfluencer.com, PhillyVoice.com, and also Check out Fox Sports the Gambler at foxphlgambler.com. We've got some good stuff going on. And the Rodney McLeod Show every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. So check that out. There you go. Rodney McLeod Show. Um, also, we're on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Shooters Radio. Check us out on there. If you, want, if you want to request a deep dive that you want us to do uh, outside of the ones we normally do, you know, that we choose, but if you want to choose it, Feel free to hit us up at Patreon, patreon.com slash shooters radio. That could be anything. You can choose. Yeah, you can choose what our deep dives may be. So if you want to just want us to do an ECW show, you want us to find a new Japan show or a specific match you want us to deep dive into, or something wrestling related, because we don't just do events. We we did No Holds Barred, we did the WrestleMania Rage Party, you know, so wrestling related, you know, but you know, specifically, you know, preferably, but you know, let us know if it's a movie or, uh, you know, whatever it is, hit us up, patreon.com slash shooters radio. I am at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. If you don't find me on there, you can find me out here in these streets sometimes, but obviously not all the time because we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Wear your masks, please. Um, but I'm also out here in right in these streets for PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Check out my work on there. Uh, and yeah, check us out wherever podcasts are available. And of course, patreon.com slash shooters radio for Nick Picone. I'm Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 254 of the straight shooters. And we'll catch y'all again next week. Peace.